Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! You bet one one bone to win 19? I'm sorry. Where, what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? <laughs> they let you do 50 cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like he dropped Superman down like the drain, comes out. Like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City, part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the Dead Cow Football Show. And it's always good to have you here from the Dave in the City studios at the home of champions, Southern California. So much to unpack with the weird, with the world of football this week. I can't believe all this news that's been coming through, flying into our headlines. And um, we have new broadcasters on Monday Night Football. We have new, we have new, uh, we have people unretiring. I, let's start with that before we bring everybody in. I just can't get over the fact that Tom Brady unretired. I like. Uh, I mean, I know he wants to. He's he's committed to playing the sport, but this is crazy. I I don't know what he's got left. I, we're gonna talk about that tonight. We're gonna also talk about. Um, we talked about Aikman leaving uh, Fox to go to ESPN, but in the last few days, Joe Buck left to go with him. So now they are both there on this huge contract right now. And they they both will be the new team at Monday Night Football for the coming season in the NFL. That's just that's just crazy. So let's just bring in our friends and we'll, we'll talk more about it. Uh, two of our friends have joined us. Andy will join us um, in the second half of our show as we get into college basketball talk. But we'll first comment on the, on the NFL storylines and the free agency signings so far. Uh, so much to talk about. So we'll first start with our friend uh, John in Connecticut. It is great to have you back, my friend. How's it going this evening? Doing fine, Dave. Uh, good to be back. Yeah, lots of stuff going on in the NFL for sure. Um, also, got obviously we're going to do some March Madness talk that time of year. So definitely, definitely very exciting. So uh, good to be back. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So uh, let's do the thing, and um, let's bring on our friend Ron in New Jersey. Good to have you back on the program as well. How's it going tonight, my friend? Good, Dave. How are you? Uh, hold on. When I push this button, I'll let you know. Okay, there we go. I'm doing well. <laughs> Buttons aren't reacting to my fingers, but uh, but other than that, I'm well. I mean, I'm just mystified at, at what's been happening in in the in the sport of football. But look, good on good on Buck and Aikman uh, moving on. Um, I did not think that Joe Buck was going to leave Fox. I was like, wow, that's. I mean, he, he was a lifer, right? I yeah, mean, that's what everybody thought. He was he was there for life. I I, I just I think this is where we can start. I mean. We could get into Tom Brady stuff. I don't really have a lot to say about it. If you guys do, feel free. But um, honestly, I, I, you know, I was just thinking, like, what is going to happen to baseball? Like, who's going to call baseball now? Because he was the baseball guy. Like, what's going to happen to Fox? That's, it's just a weird who, spot. Who, who is there? Uh, who, who's Fox's backup baseball announcer? Yeah, see, I know the football one, and it's Kevin Burkhart. But the baseball one, right. that, that is just, I have might no idea. Might be Burkhart for that, too. Or what about um the, the guy that calls the Dodger games, Dave? Doesn't he do baseball? Oh, Joe Davis. Oh, no. If it's Joe, Joe Davis, Davis yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. no. That is not going to people at the board. I mean, I never hit, hated him when he does college football. But, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak to his baseball abilities. Mm. 
you, when Andy comes on, he will have opinions on on Joe Davis. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I know. He will have opinions. It, it, we'll, we'll, you'll see what he where where, where you he know. You in. know what? I, why why haven't uh, why hasn't any place tried to give uh, Gary Thorne like a an, another big time job? You know, I know I know he moved from like he used to do the uh, you know the NHL uh, stuff on ESPN and ABC, and then I think he went to Baltimore, right, to yeah. be the Orioles announcer. Yeah, he's been the Orioles guy for a while. Yeah, for about you know, a few years. I mean, maybe 10, 20 plus years or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he he's he always had a big time feel yeah. uh, to his broadcast. I, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten you know a, another job at one of the the big companies. I think the only thing I could think of at the moment is that he's he's just getting up there in age, and maybe yeah. that's the only thing stopping him at this point. Because I, I have no complaints about Gary Thorne. He's awesome. Like I'm a big fan. You know, hockey bat or uh, or Char- Charlie does Charlie Steiner still do the uh, Dodger? Games he does today? still do the Dodger games, but he's getting up there too, though. Like he's pretty. Yeah. You know, we, we always think of him as a kind of a, you know, decent middle-aged kind of guy, but now he's actually getting kind of old. Like, they're already talking about how, like, he had to do games from home just to assess his health, and this is, I think, about a year and a half ago. Um, I I would be down with that, to be to be honest with you. I just wondered if he'd be up for it, I think is the question. Mm. He seems to be comfortable just doing the Dodgers. That's a good question. Um, but anyway, this is a really good place to start. Like, I and I know Andy's going to talk about this too once we get into it. But um, I mean, to be, I mean, seriously, this is it's an it's an interesting spot. There's no doubt about it. Like, I I'm I'm just very curious as to what what where we go from here. You know, what made them leave Fox? I I I think I know the answer for I know the answer for Aikman. We talked about that last week. But what's in it for Joe? Like, he gets to call fewer sports and. That maybe he wants to call fewer sports, but I thought he loved baseball. I just, I, I guess the money talks, but it wasn't that much more, was it, John? Did anybody catch how much it was? Like something like I haven't seen the contract, but so yeah. what? Is he only going there just to do the Monday Night Football game? He's not calling anything else. Is I mean, I haven't seen the details of his contract or anything. Yeah, but I don't... that wouldn't make sense if he's just going to ESPN just to call Monday Night Football. I mean, that say what you want of him, but like for all the major events and sports that he's called, like that seems like a, a pretty big waste of money for them just have him there to call what 15 games. I mean, that just, it doesn't make sense to me, but um, you know, I saw that they traded, it was essentially a trade Fox and ESPN traded buck for um, like a, a big 10 football game at the start of the year. So I guess they get like a, a play. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it's going to be, um, like uh, it's gonna be like no the first week it's gonna be Notre Dame at Ohio State that's what they're gonna take mm-hmm. for that yeah. selection that's that's my guess but yeah so they essentially it's like trading a player they traded Joe Buck for a for a Big Ten football game but yeah I don't know I mean I don't I don't see why they wouldn't try to get him to do other sports but who knows I guess well the devil will be in the details I guess as they say I I don't I mean gun to your head Ron do you think that Buck would be persuaded could be persuaded to do Sunday night baseball on top of the uh, football stuff at ESPN? Yeah, I would think so. But, yeah. uh, you know, like, like you said, I, I haven't seen the contract or anything. I know when, uh, when they're discussing like Herb street going over to Amazon, they said that, you know, he would still be at ESPN and just do the, the Thursday night games there. Maybe Buck worked out something where he'll still do baseball on, on Fox. I, I don't know. Has it been announced yet? If he's, he's completely gone from, 
from Fox? That's a very good question. Um, I mean, there hasn't been much talk about what they would... They are already talking about, how, uh, just as John was saying, Joe. I mean, Joe Davis is the favorite to take over for the baseball. So that wow. is, yeah, definitely a wow. Yeah, for for sure. Because I, think, what's wrong with Joe Davis, Dave? I, I uh, me. There are a lot of there are a lot of things to talk about with that. That's a good question. That's a, that's a very very fair fair question. I just think that he's a little bit like Gus Johnson, but without the style. In that he just over over announces things like he will just like a ground ball oh he kind of overdoes it when it comes to his style of announcing he just shouts and screams everything um the nuance isn't really there and i'm just kind of i do get annoyed and particularly when he's like doing the the daughter games he is such a homer but that's a different conversation like we're not talking about that we're just talking about what he does with national games but that's a general problem like i just think he doesn't really let the situation breathe. He kind of over announces things. And um, I think the more you hear from him, the more you notice it. And I think Andy will, I'll ask Andy the same thing. He'll, he'll break that down too. But um, I guess most people don't have a very strong opinion of him yet, but I've probably seen more of him than other people just because he's a local announcer too. So uh, Ron, where would you be on Joe Davis? Do you have any strong feeling one way or the other? Uh, you know, I've heard him a couple times, uh, you know, mostly like John said on college football. He he really doesn't do anything for me either way. I have no like dislike for him or, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's particularly great. Um, mm-hmm. He's just another, you know, another guy. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Gus Johnson because, uh, you know, that's another guy like. You know, a couple of years ago, he was, you know, the the it thing, the the little girl with the curl. And, right. You know, uh, he's he's kind of faded into obscurity, um, you know, with the football and stuff too. So, yeah. Uh, unless you're watching like Fox Sports, I guess he does the Big Ten games, <laughs> you know, too, uh, right? So yeah, yeah. but uh, you thought he would have been uh, in line for like a, a higher profile, and uh, it hasn't worked out that way either. That's a good point. You know, I guess. I guess it's just something to having your your catch, having your your gimmick. I don't even call it a gimmick with Gus. I think he literally just feels very excited about things all the time. Like yeah. I think if he had, if you got an extra boost of cappuccino at Starbucks, he'd be very excited about it. Like I think that's a real thing. <laughs> I think that's fake. I think that's a real thing. But um, but with, with Joe, I get the sense it's a little bit over over enunciated. I do think there's a little bit of fakeness to the way he announces games. Um, I have a similar complaint about Dave O'Brien. I just don't think, I just don't think he's that great. I just think he's he over ex, exas, over ex, over and uh, over he's over exuberant with certain stuff. And I feel like let the moment come to you rather than go to the moment. You know, I think there's a very big difference. So Kevin Burkhart would be my preference if he were to ask me like who would I rather have calling baseball. But his style is very casual and laid back most of the time. And I think maybe. Fox might not see that as enough to be a number one announcer, I, but I do like what he does. I think he's very good. Yeah, and just to think, like, uh, you know, within like the last five years, he was the, um, you know, he was like the the guy in the stands for the uh, for the New York Mets. I know, isn't that crazy? You know, so he he he's come a long way in a short time. I I agree. I I, I think he's good. Um, and I, and I like him on the football too. Same, same. John, what's your thoughts as far as Burkhart? Um, yeah, I, I do remember like just it, 
couldn't have been at least five years ago. He's during you know, they're going to him in the stands in the Mets games. And he's interviewing some guy eating a hot dog. And now <laughs> here, here he is doing like every sport imaginable, you know, calling games. He's, he's like the studio host for um, college basketball, like college football. Like he does everything for Fox. I think he can do a little bit of the over enunciation or like the over exuberance sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to say he's terrible. I mean, some of that is, you know, it's warranted, but sometimes it's just a little too much. But I'm not going to say he's, he's he's terrible. I'm, I'm I'm okay with him if that would be the the choice to replace Walk as the number one guy in Fox. And they're they're in quite the pickle for sure. Yeah, no um, doubt. I don't know. I mean, who do they got there? So it's, it's it's Burkhart is number two. Um, I know Adam Amin is there. He he's not bad. I mean, okay. he he can be a little over exuberant as well. But at least, like I don't know. I don't I don't mind him doing games. Um, they brought over some guy. He'd been doing things for the Big Ten Network, and then he was like had like the fifth or sixth NFL game this year. I don't remember his name, but he wasn't bad. But he was just kind of monotone. But he was, oh geez, what's that guy's name? It's Kevin something. I don't know his last name. I, I'm drawing a blank. But he was okay. Like you, you, you get like a little snippets of all these guys when you're watching Red Zone, um, which is you know which is interesting. I, they should try to poach someone from CBS seriously. Like bring over. Uh, Iron Eagle, make him your number one. Like, because Nance isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, that would be my. I, I don't know who else they could they could get at this point. But yeah, F- Fox is in in trouble for both their number one analyst and play by play person. Yeah, it's man, that's a huge hole for Fox. And and I, what best of luck to them as they try to fill those giant shoes. That this is going to be a real challenge for them. Now, the talk has also been about getting Al Michaels over to Fox to, to take over that spot. I just, and it's kind of in a similar vein as what I was saying about Charlie Steiner. I just don't see where, what's in it for, for Al. Like, I think. I, I think he's, uh, I was just reading that he's close to taking the Amazon uh, job for Thursday Night Football. Yep. And he called that a while ago. Remember, he called that way back in, like, the middle of the season. Like, he, he definitely was on that. So, I, I feel like that's where he's going as well. And yeah. so, if that's the pairing, I think it's a decent pair. It's yeah, him and Kirk Herbstreit. That's gonna be interesting. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see whether they 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 mesh together. I mean, he did mesh really well with Collinsworth, even though Collinsworth, I know he's annoying and everything, but they seem to get along with one another. So there was it was some give and take. I thought it was fine. I don't know. I don't get uh, Collinsworth. I don't know. Like of the major analysts, I don't mind him. I actually, mm-hmm. I like him better. Yeah, I think he's better than Aikman. I think he's better than. Uh, um, the, the clowns they had before at ESPN. <laughs> um, it doesn't take much than to, to, to do that. But when the bar is um, booger, of course you can clear it. <laughs> yeah, right. When the bar is booger, Steve Levy. I like Lewis Riddick, though. I mean, he's going to get kicked to the curb yeah, here. Too but, bad. Uh, yeah. I didn't mind him. Um, I, I, Romo, I don't know. Like, Romo, he's like a he's like a guy that you want to have a drink with like or a beer with watching the game. But he's like, he's not going to give you a ton of just like football analysis. Like Collinsworth actually will break down the play. He's going to say like, you know, he has his little, his ticks that he, that he throws in there. Let me tell you about this guy, you know, but um, I don't know. I, I think he, I, I think he's all right, but it's going to be even worse now with like, he's going to have to carry the broadcast because if they're bringing in Tariko, I, I, I agree with Andy Tariko is he's, he's not the kind of guy that you want calling like these big games. Like, okay, studio host. Sure. But, the main play-by-play announcer? I don't think so. So Collinsworth is going to have to pretty much carry all that now. But um, I saw on uh, 
<laughs> they were thinking of bringing in Marshawn Lynch for the Amazon Studio <laughs> Show. <laughs> would, I'm, I'm there. That for would it. be some entertainment. Oh yes. Sure. He's a funny guy. Like, I, I think that's what people miss. Like, they get oh, oh, mad about how he treated, like, the annoying announcers. But I actually think he's pretty funny. So he might actually be good. You might be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, great observations, John, really. I, I, The NBC side's pretty fucked, too, to be honest. <laughs> analyzing that. Like, Drew Brees could have a more prominent role. That's not good, you know? And same for, for Tariko. I mean, this is just – none of that sounds good. I mean, if I were Collinsworth, maybe just get the hell out of there. Like, just <laughs> jump ship. Like at this point, just you yeah, know, be done with it. Go back but... to Fox. You know, Collinsworth just go back to yeah. Fox. Be part of the studio. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll they'll find something for him to do. Like I, I completely agree, John. Like, um, so it is what it is. I mean, it's kind of the, the trico is like one of those things where one of those scenarios where. You know, good on him, but I mean, I think it's just one of those deals where they just found him and they just he was just hanging around. They just selected him by default. I mean, Bob Costas basically wanted nothing to uh, kind of was done with broadcasting after a while, so he just left. And like, well, Trico's still here. Let's go put him in at the studio role. And now he's kind of moved in here because Al Michaels is kind of, you know, on the and the, the twilight of his career, let's say. And and um, but he's just one of those good, not great guys. Like, I don't. Think he's necessarily bad but you remember what he was like on monday night football he was okay he was decent but you know i i i think like what separates the the great announcers from the good announcers is uh is is kind of like the emotion that they um they stir up in you like when you turn on a game like when, when i turn on a you know uh a big time nfc game um even if it's like a a, a bad matchup you still like you keep the channel on if it's like fucking eight man yeah, yeah. um because you know you know it's big time and and Tariko is just one of those guys who like when you put a, a game on and you hear his voice you almost you almost get like deflated you know it's like uh, <laughs> and he's like such a bore it's like you yes. know he he brings uh almost no excitement to the uh to the matchup and, and i and that, that's what I mean. Like, you, you could put Bucket Aikman or even, uh, uh, you know, uh, Collinsworth and Michaels, and they'll make a bad matchup good. I don't think Tariko has the ability to to make a bad matchup watchable at all. Completely agree. And, you know, kind of to bring that, that point home, as far as uh, at least as far as Joe Buck is concerned, you can make the same point about what they were doing in the b- baseball postseason. You remember all those years where you've rem- – where- EJ was doing the baseball broadcasting for TBS. And it's like, oh my God, this is garbage. Like he's so yeah. bad at play by play. Great studio host, obviously, but his play by play is just not it. Like it's just not happening. And he just can't judge fly balls. And he just like, he's just terrible. And so it makes you appreciate like how much of a voice a Joe Buck can be to a baseball telecast. So I, I, I completely agree with all of that. Like I, I think we've got guys in, in our, in that, in that genre of broadcasting where they're they're good but they're not great and i think you 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 hit that on the nose so it'll like i said it'll be a very interesting scenario for all these networks as we go along and i as you i think john hit hit the hit it on the on the button cbs makes out the best out of all these guys they're set they are good they have like three levels of quality broadcasters for their games like they're really in a good spot so um no argument yeah so we're good there we'll keep following that and we'll we'll keep reporting the details to you as they come along i would be very surprised if buck didn't do anything else though i i but it sounds like that's going to be the case so we'll see um moving on 
Tom Brady unretired, and like I said, I have almost zero to say about that. Like, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. Uh, that's kind of my thought. So, uh, Ron, you want to tackle this one? What do you think about Tom Brady coming back to the league, or supposedly so? Um, you know, it, I, I think we all thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't really buy into the retirement. Um, at, at least I, I didn't. You know, I, I kind of thought he was going to try to angle his way uh, to another team, maybe. Um, you know, as as the the off off season, you know, uh, um, grew on. I, I thought maybe he would uh, try to go over to San Francisco or something like that. But I, I didn't. I didn't buy that he retired. I don't think a lot of people did either. Um, and you know, it's funny. Uh, you know that that you know video between him and Ronaldo. Uh, you know, really let the cat out of the bag and forced them to to make the announcement to come out of retirement. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I kind of expected it. And, and once you, you know, I'm sure once you saw the landscape of the NFC and, uh, you know, his, his path to a Super Bowl is, uh, is not as difficult as, as you would think. So I, you know, good on him. You know, I've, you know, no, it, it doesn't, you know, uh, stir any emotions in me. I, I don't hate the guy, um, you know, good for him. And he put himself in a good situation. Yeah, I I mean, I agree in the I mean, uh, I would also say good on him. I just I don't know. Like I just don't know what he's going to bring. He could go back to Tampa Bay. I don't know if they're going to do that. John, let's get your thoughts as well. I mean, I'm not surprised that he came back. I probably went home and was like with his family for a month and was like, "All right, see ya." Like, <laughs> done with this. I mean, you know, I he's got a beautiful wife and kids, but I mean, I was just like, all right, dad time can wait, you know, a few more years or full-time dad time. Um, but yeah, I think the more interesting thing is he might not end up with Tampa because I think there's huge friction between him and Arians. I think he kind of thinks maybe Arians is an idiot or doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you know, there's rumors that he could try to get his way to San Francisco or who the hell knows at this point. But I guess that's kind of the only thing you need to watch for is if there's going to be some business where he doesn't play for the Bucks next season. Um, you know, I mean, he had a really good year, kind of tailed off towards the end of it. Obviously, that coincided with they had some major offensive line issues. And, you know, Brady's not the kind of quarterback that's going to be moving around these days, so he needs protection in the pocket. And if he doesn't have that, he's getting hit. I mean, that's kind of the one thing that's been proven over the years that's going to kind of throw off his game. So – you know, as long as they surround him with a good offensive line, you know, he's got the arm strength still, and he clearly knows the, the playbook and, you know, knows, uh, you know, he's got some good weapons there in Tampa. Um, assuming they're all staying, I, I'm pretty sure they're not free agents, uh, Edwins and uh, Evanston, uh, Goodwin. But, um, you know, I, I don't see why he wouldn't have another good year. I don't think he's going to, like, drastically fall off a cliff. I mean, we did see that happen with Brett Favre, but I, I think his – that one year that he had with the Vikings was just like such an anomaly. And like, he was kind of almost done before that. And I had no idea what happened that year. Um, but in any event, I mean, I don't think, you know, Brady's going to like turn into Ben Roethlisberger next year. I mean, I think he'll be okay. Um, so yeah, I, I can easily see why he would come back and, you know, it makes the NFC certainly more interesting. It could be another Rogers Brady playoff game. We missed out on that again this year. I do think they play in the regular season anyway. Um, so we'll see it in Tampa in the regular season, but um, you know maybe we we'll get another playoff game between 
those two teams are you would have to say are the favorites in the NFC as well as well as the Rams at the moment. Those are probably your your top three. And that is, of course, assuming that he does go back to Tampa. And I'm with you on that on the assessment that he might not go back to Tampa. I actually think he might very well try a different team. I, I would not be surprised in the least. And so I think I will say if he does try another team, it's going to be an NFC team. You guys are dead on. The NFC quarterbacking is very weak right now. It's crazy. Um, but thought, uh, John, let's let's turn to you. I mean, Ron, let's turn to you and get your thoughts. Any additional potpourri on this on this scenario? Well, yeah, you know the um, Tampa Bay uh, holds his rights, and uh, you know I, I think one of the things that um, you know kind of uh, sped up his decision is uh, they asked Arians during the combine, you know, uh, what it would take, or would he be open to trading um, Brady if he if he came back and didn't want to play there. And he basically shut the door on that and said, uh, if if somebody wants to trade for Tom Brady, uh, they're going to have to give us – I forget what he said. He said something like, uh, you know, like uh, their whole draft and then the next like two or three years worth of draft picks. So he's not going anywhere. Now, does that mean that he's going to, um, you know, uh, stick to that and, uh, and, and force Brady to play there? I don't know. I mean – I would think that Brady's going to play in Tampa Bay unless he strong arms his way out of there. But uh, you kind of got the um, you know, the feeling that uh, Arians uh, doesn't want him to go anywhere. And uh, I do agree with John. There does seem to be uh, some friction there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, for now, Arians uh, shut it down, said he's not going not gonna to trade him. Well, that's great execution on Arians' part. Yeah, he wants to leave the door open, and it makes sense, you know. It's the best quarterback option they will have out of what's available right now. A lot of guys got signed, and there's still a little bit of drama as far as where is Jimmy Garoppolo going to go. But, but I mean, between the two, obviously Tom Brady's going to be the clear winner. So um, I think that, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's that's all I have on that topic. I don't know. John, is there anything you'd like to add before we carry on and talk about some other free agency stuff? No, I mean, I think he's coming back. You know, let's just deal with it. Another year of Brady <laughs> show. Pretty much. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like, the Bucks will get all – their schedule is just like they're going to be in prime time every game. Like, I think the league will want to waive their prime time, uh, <laughs> you know, the maximum. Because, like, every out-of-division game is just unbelievable in terms of, like, the, the ratings that it would get. Yeah. And even now, the ratings for in-division games, if – I'm sure it'll be our next topic, Dave – if Deshaun Watson ends up with either the Falcons, Panthers, or Saints, I mean, there you go. There's another two, uh, you know, uh, primetime division matchups for you. Yeah. Great segue, though, because we saw in in the last week or so that uh, Deshaun Watson was, for all intents and purposes, clear the charges to the point where he could play again. So naturally, teams are going to jump at the opportunity to get him back. Does that mean that he's cleared of his conscious Gents, I don't know. I mean, that's not that's not outside of the boundary of this program. Some people on the board could use some primers and what boundaries are in these topics. <laughs> but, but at any rate, um, yeah, Deshaun Watson <laughs> is now probably going to play somewhere. And now the question is where? And there are a lot of different choices. And Ron, I'll give it to you first. If you were to select a spot for Deshaun Watson, who is two years rusty, but you know when he was playing, he was obviously a very good quarterback where would you see him playing in the 2022 season well you know the interesting thing is is he's got the full no trade clause so 
Um, regardless of who puts the best deal out there for the Texans, I mean, it, it ultimately comes down to, um, you know, to it being Deshaun Watson's choice. Uh, so if I were him and, and the teams that I've seen that um, have been mentioned and who met with him today, yesterday, and I think uh, tomorrow he's meeting with another team, it's been the, the Saints, Panthers, uh, Browns, and the Falcons tomorrow. Um, so if you look at all those situations, I mean, to me, clearly, the, the team who probably gives them the best chance to uh, make the playoffs and play with a contender and play with uh, decent weapons um, and, and a good overall team is the Saints. Um, you know, now, does he have – do they have enough uh, to where the Texans would just, you know, shut them down and say, no, we're not going to, you know, take pennies on the dollar for uh, Watson? That's another story. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, the, the Panthers are a mess, and they probably have the most to offer. Um, but you know, you think about, you know, rule is he's got one foot out the door. Uh, they have the, the worst offensive line in the league. Um, you know, their, their defense wasn't good last year. I, I guess you could say they have Christian McCaffrey and a couple of receivers that might entice him to go there. But, uh, you know, I don't really think they're much of an upgrade over the Texans, uh, in terms of their roster. Uh, same thing with the Falcons. Uh, who who the Falcons have at receiver right now? They just lost Russell Gage. Um, Cordero Patterson's a free agent. Uh, you know, so you're going there to basically carry the load again, which he did in, in Houston for four or five years and, and obviously wasn't the ideal scenario. Uh, so, I, I mean, I wouldn't jump at the chance to play there. Uh, and the same with, you know, the Browns to me are, are just, uh, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a, a little bit later, but they're, they're a strange team that makes strange moves. Um, and, and they essentially traded, you know, Jarvis Landry for Amari Cooper. Uh, does it improve their team? Uh, probably not. Um, you know, and, and does it, you know, probably upset the, uh, the roster that was there? Probably, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to go to Cleveland. So if, 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 if it's just based on his decision, I would think he would want to go to New Orleans. So it offers him the, the, uh, the, probably the best overall roster and the clearest path to uh, the playoffs. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. But that would be my choice if I were him. Yeah, not bad, not bad, not bad. Uh, John, let's get your thoughts on this too like where do you where could you see you mentioned the falcons do you feel like that's the front those are they are the front runner for deshaun watson when i when i first saw the report today that um that they were thinking about the falcons my first thought was okay well this is a negotiating tactic to try to drive up the price for the saints and the panthers but um there does seem to be legitimate interest uh from atlanta um you know, Ron's right. I mean, their roster is just awful. I mean, they have no receivers. I mean, Patterson played out of his mind last year, but I mean, he's just one guy. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, their coach seemed kind of lost at times last year. I don't know if I'd want to go there if I were him. Um, the Panthers, yeah, a complete dumpster fire. That team, it, they completely mismanaged McCaffrey last year. I think they brought him back way too early, and then they just, you know, just fell apart after that. Saints, they're probably the most stable, but, you know, without Peyton there, like I wonder if Sean Peyton would want to come back to coach if, if they got to Sean Watson, uh, which is an interesting thought. Like, I don't know if he's fully retired at this point, but that would be a good fit if, if 
of the, the considering of the teams in consideration here, I would say he's probably the best option, but it's really who can work out a deal with Houston um, or who can give the best, the best deal. So I would say those three are in the mix. Um, maybe the Colts, I don't know, but I guess I saw that it could be part of the, there's like a, a, a three team trade where somehow Matt Ryan would end up with the Colts in this scenario. Um, if, Watson goes to the Falcons, which that would be okay. I mean, the Colts seem to love their kind of slightly older, you know, towards the end of their career quarterbacks who may have, you know, lost a step. Um, so I guess, you know, that kind of fits in well with them. But, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. And like I said, it's really the team who kind of can give give the best offer. Um, the Steelers are off the table uh, as Mitch Trubisky will be their starter next year. It's already been <laughs> So I'm sure you're excited about that, Dave. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, we'll see. I, it's it's all going to be just negotiation over the next week or so. Yeah, quite right. I mean, that would definitely be a boost to if it ends up being any of those any of the NSC South teams. That ends up being a real boost for them as far as the quarterback position, you know. And just to give you an idea, just how desperate the situation is with NSC quarterbacking. The Giants signed Tyrod Taylor for two years, <laughs> seventeen million. I mean, that says it all. I mean, I like Tyrod. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is terrible, but just to give you the idea that they had to go out and sign him for two years, seventeen million. You know, speaking, Dave, of the uh, the, the NFC and mm-hmm. especially the NFC East, I always was you know under the assumption that the you know probably the the best fit for Watson uh, and the team that could. Uh, essentially give the Texans everything they wanted was the Eagles. Um, oh, I love that. Wow. You know, because they could they, they could offer Hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have three first-round draft picks this year. I mean, you could essentially give them Hurts, you know, two draft, two of those draft picks this year, maybe a, a one another year, still have uh, draft capital to use on your own team and, uh, you know, get Watson in return. But it, it doesn't seem like they're going in that direction. But, you know, I, I've mentioned that on the board like months ago i i always thought the eagles would be the the perfect fit i mean they have a roster right now that could probably uh you add watson you're probably going to put them over the top and uh you know make them the uh the, the clear-cut favorites in the nfc east but uh they don't seem to be uh, interested in making that move wow that's it that is interesting yeah i mean Maybe they just don't want to give up the capital. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they want the draft picks. I'm not sure. That's that's an interesting question. Like I, John, if you're the Eagles, where do you go? Do you do you make the trade? Do you, what do you do there? I don't know. Are they in? Like, are they in? Like the talks, or is this just kind of we're just talking around hypotheticals? Just a hypothetical. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, hypothetical. yeah. I mean, I don't see. You know, that's would be a good move for them. They're clearly making an upgrade on Hertz, and they have a pretty good defense at least you know what they how they played last year a good offensive line so i mean i don't know I, I think that would be a good fit and they would certainly rise right to the top of the nfc east that's for sure i mean dallas would have to be shitting themselves if, if they got to sean watson um but dallas but, is yeah, toast no. if that happens they're they're, yeah, they're finished they could be toast anyway hey the commander <laughs> yeah. with wentz watch out um <laughs> oh my story. god <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that that would I think that would work, and and Houston would get a legitimate starter. I mean, you know, better than who they have basically. I think Hertz is better than Davis Mills, so they would upgrade on that anyway. 
Yep, true story. So that's that's a great secondary storyline. So thanks for bringing, thanks for segueing us to there, everybody. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of signings right now to talk about. Um, that's such an interesting scenario. I, I I think we can just go to each of you and just let us know what some of the big moves that you've noticed in the last week or so are throughout the league. And there are many. Like I mentioned, the Jets signed a cornerback, uh, signed their cornerback, and they signed Whitehead to to contracts. The Bucks are trading for a Pats guard. I'm seeing that Gregory flips on Dallas to join the Broncos. You, you, your point about the Broncos being, I mean, about the Cowboys being toast anyway, actually makes a lot of sense, John. They might be done. They may not be doing much in that, not at all next year. But, uh, Ron, I'll go to you first. Um, what are some of the big big moves you've seen in the last week that uh, stood out to you? Uh, well, uh, number one yesterday was the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars um, spending close to $200 million uh, and arguably not making their roster any better than it was <laughs> before. Um, you know, just uh, very, you know, it's, it seems like they just, they threw money at guys just mm-hmm. to throw money at guys. Um, yeah, including $18 million a year for Christian Kirk, who, uh, you know, in my opinion is, is no better than a number two. Um you know, he never had a thousand yards in a season, never had over, uh, you know, six touchdowns, I think. Uh, so giving him $18 million, I think, uh, um, he, on average, he's the third highest paid receiver in the league now, which is just mind boggling to, to, to think of, um, you know, something like that, but, uh, you know, and, and they signed, uh, Brandon Scherf, who's, a good guard, uh, you know, played with the Redskins, but someone who's missed time the past couple of years, uh, you know, they just, uh, they, they signed the defensive tackle from the Jets for $10 million a year, a guy who played about, you know, 30% of the snaps. Uh, it, they just, you know, it, it seems like every other year, the Jaguars are throwing money at guys uh, and, and they never improve their roster. Um, and my point, uh, you know, I, I think I said this today was, if you're spending $18 million on Christian Kirk, uh, why not just, you know, better what the Browns gave for Amari Cooper, which was a fifth round pick. Why, why not throw a fourth round pick and get Cooper at $2 million more? Uh, and he could provide a true number one for Trevor Lawrence instead of uh, giving all that money to Kirk. But, uh, you know, very, very interesting moves out of the Jaguars. <laughs> And, uh, and I guess I, I like what the Chargers did, um, you know, trading for uh, um, uh, for Khalil Mack and, uh, and signing J.C. Jackson. I mean, they're, they had to do something to keep up with uh, the Broncos and, and, and to catch the Chiefs. I mean, they're right there on the precipice of, of, of being like, you know, one and one A with the Chiefs in, in that division. And, uh, and good on them, you know, for, for being able to uh, to to improve their defense. Uh, they re-signed Mike Williams. So I, I, I think those are all great moves uh, for the Chargers. And uh, I think it puts them over the uh, the Broncos as, uh, you know, next in line behind the Chiefs. Maybe uh, we'll see this year if Herbert continues to improve. Uh, you know, they might, they might beat the Chiefs this year for the NFC West or the AFC West. So uh, I, I like what they did. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you mentioned the Jets before, Dave. Uh, they, they made a bunch of uh, of, of good 
you know, depth signings, I guess. Uh, they got Whitehead, uh, the corner from Seattle, DJ Reed. Uh, they got the tight end from the Bengals. Um, you know, nothing like that'll blow you away, but, you know, definitely upgrades over who they had on their roster last year. But, uh, you know, it, when it comes to free agency, uh, you know, most of the, uh, of the real elite guys are, are franchised or re-signed before free agency hits anyway. So, um, you know, you, you got to do the best at what you with what you got. And uh, some teams do it better than, than others. And I think, uh, you know, the Jaguars have, have done an awful job. I, I think the Cowboys have really done an awful job this uh, so far this offseason. They, they, they traded Cooper for, for nothing. Um, which you know makes, but you would if you you know you would think they're trading Cooper for nothing. They have to you know be mindful of the salary cap, and maybe they're gonna you know retool and, and, and you know get some cheaper options. And then they re-signed Michael Gallup for you know the money that it it, it cost them to trade away uh, Cooper. So uh, none of it really makes sense. And they uh, you know they gave Demarcus Lawrence an ex- an extension. They um you know they lost a couple guys on their defense they lost uh randy gregory like you said who uh, agreed in principle to go back there and then did a u-turn about an hour later and signed with the broncos so uh you know for a, a team like them who uh you know should be kind of making that leap from you know consistent nfc east champions because let's be fair anybody could win the nfc east they should be making that next level to you know the uh you know the rams and the uh, packers and the you know those types of teams and and they they just can't get over that hump and uh you know i guess you got to look at asset allocation on the team and that contract that they gave ezekiel elliott is really uh screwing them and mm-hmm. uh which goes to show you never uh you never draft a running back high, and you certainly don't give them a huge contract because it, it rarely ever works out. Yeah, what gets into play a lot of injuries do. It's just not worth it, you know. Now that's going to bring back to circle back us back to a point that we'll we won't address it tonight, but when we get to the NFL draft coverage, we will because Ron, you and I, and I think even Andy to an extent, we're we're actually pretty solid with the Steelers drafting um, Najee Harris in the first round. Now, is that worth it? I thought it was well, worth that, it. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, they got him at like pick 20, mm-hmm. 20, whatever it was, 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think, and I, I've said this a million times, you know, the only time you should take a running back in the first round, in my opinion, is if your team uh, on the verge of making a run to a Super Bowl uh, with everything else in place. And and you, in, in fairness to the Steelers, it was Ben Rothman. Roethlisberger's last year mm-hmm. and they did kind of have you know the the pieces in place they thought to make a run and the one glaring uh hole they had was running back so I, I think that makes sense especially where they got him <clears throat> uh it'd be a different story if they were a top five team last year or a bottom five team uh and, and took him in the top five of the draft uh I, I don't think a running back it just doesn't make sense to take a running back Right, right, um, right, you know that high anymore? No, no, that that I agree with. I mean, we, so that's sort of what we were comment, commenting on. It's like I wasn't killing because it was like the bottom of the first round, whereas people yeah. were just trapped, like they were livid about him. Like, gosh, guys, he's not bad at all. He's actually pretty good. And 
You know, even through the injuries, he was a decent. He had a decent year to start his rookie campaign. So anyway, um, very good stuff on on on, on all the points, uh, Ron. Let's go to John. Any other hit quick hitters that you had as far as the uh, free agents and other transactions in the offseason so far? Yeah, I mean, not a ton of it, like mind blowing stuff. Other than, I mean, since we last talked, obviously there was some big news uh, last week, but. Yeah, I mean, the Jags, I mean, that's it's just an example of why bad franchises stay bad and they do stuff like they've done, you know, giving all that money to Kirk. And um, I saw, thought I saw they signed another white. Oh, no, they signed Evan Ingram. That, that's who they signed, uh, which was interesting. So, yeah, um, hey, they got money to spend. They ha- I guess they have to spend it. So why not give all that money to a guy who, um, you know, it's not going to be like a number one receiver, but um uh, the Packers were signed Devondre Devondre Campbell who played a huge role for them last year um at linebacker and really filled a, a need of a position that had been you know void for many years um and you know they're working on a contract for or they franchise tagged Adams and there's all sorts of talk you know he's not he's going to sit out and he's, he won't play under a you know without a deal I mean it's March so I feel like they're going to work something out before before the season starts, I mean, Rogers just signed his huge deal. So, I mean, they know what they have to work with now. Um, they also are, are looking to sign Rasul Douglas to a contract. As you remember, he had a number of pick sixes last year. He was just a huge contributor onto the defense. Um, they resigned Preston Smith. So they're bringing back all basically their key pieces. Um, Zadarius Smith was cut, but uh, his contract, they just couldn't keep him. So that's kind of what the Packers have been up to. Um, I agree. Like, I don't know what the – what are the Browns doing? Like Cooper for Landry is basically uh, the same, you know, I not, you're not really doing much of an upgrade or grade with that. It's just, they're paying more money for the same guy. Essentially. It's just, I don't know. And Cooper is just, is someone who owned him in fantasy football. Like there'd be one week, he just completely just destroy. And then like for three weeks, he'd, he'd go, you know, two catches for 40 yards. Like you, you, and, you know, at the end of the year, like, it looks okay, stats, but on a game-to-game basis, it just it just wasn't there. But then, you know, Dallas gives Michael Gallup a huge contract. Um, you know, it's just – it's bizarre sometimes with these teams, what these teams do. Gallup um, is I like a third that. guy, too. Like, he's not even yeah, like a right. showcase wide receiver. Like, I, what? Well, he's going to have to be a number two now yeah. because Cooper's gone because obviously C.D. Lamb's going to be their number one. Maybe they'll draft somebody. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Teddy Bridgewater sign with the Dolphins, so that's a good, um, you know, for for a backup, a guy who can start and has proven he can win some games if, if need be. So that's that's what you're looking for in your backup quarterback. You don't want like some asshole who's never started a game in the NFL. Like no offense to Jordan Love, but or you know, like I, I forget who the guy's name was, but like he's been in the league for like three or four years, he's never started, and then like he's your backup quarterback. Like that's not what you want. You want if you want a backup quarterback, someone who can come in and win a game if he had to for a couple, couple weeks. Like Fitzpatrick is the perfect backup quarterback. Um, yeah, and then uh, kind of just looking through the list here. Yeah, so the D- DJ Chark signed with the Lions. Like, okay, he got a lot of money. Um, good for them, I guess. Um, yeah, the Chargers really did make a big splash with their moves, and you know. We'll see if uh, if Brandon Staley can can mix all the parts together next year. Um, you know, their run defense was just horrific. So you figure – I know Mac is more of a guy who can get after the quarterback, 
Um, but you've got to figure he's, he's, he's going to have some help on their, on their run defense. And you figure they're going to address that in the draft too. Um, so yeah, uh, I see here, I'm just looking down the list. The Jets signed a guard from the, the Niners, Lakin Tomlinson. So that's a good move for them building up the offensive line. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, those are just like the top 10, um, free agents. I was just looking at on this one of these trackers. So you know, we'll see what the next week brings. There's still a lot of big names that are out there um, in terms of, you know, who needs to be signed. So definitely we'll keep our eyes on it on the, in the, in the coming weeks. And, you know, maybe there'll be some more big trades happening. That's certainly not out of the question. Not at all. I think there, I think there's still a lot of big moves to come. We've already had a lot of big ones, you know, in the last two weeks, but we're not done. I really don't think we're done. We still have some things to be decided and it'll be a really fun next few weeks as we, we worked it out. And about a month from now, we're going to have the draft, and we'll have a lot to talk about there, too. So it'll be really great. So that's it for football for now. But, uh, Ron, if you want to, you can stay with us for the college basketball stuff. But otherwise, any other final thoughts for you as uh, as we keep as we move along in the offseason? No. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll drop off and listen to you guys. Um, you know, always love uh, hearing the college basketball talk because uh, I, I need help, all the help I can get. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, yeah, you got you. You guys are right. There's going to be more trades, and I think the next domino that falls obviously is going to be Deshaun Watson. And then once, uh, you know, whoever gets him, um, you know, is going to be set. But it's going to set off the, uh, you know, the next uh, chain of events. And and uh, you know, so another team is going to trade for Garoppolo, and then you know, whatever team gets left out of that is. Uh, probably going to sign Mariota and you know whatever team gets left out of, out of that is going to have to look for a quarterback in the draft and it does go to show uh, you know to tie it all in together Dave um, what the you know the consensus is with the quarterbacks in this year's draft because uh, imagine you know giving Mitch Trubisky uh, you know not huge money but you know making him the starter before uh, before exploring your options in the draft or, you know, even the uh, the rumblings that the, the Colts might sign Mariota and start him instead of looking for somebody in the draft. Uh, I just think this year is a, a really bad crop of quarterbacks out there. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Redskins, you know, got Carson Wentz and, and they were in a prime spot to take a quarterback. So, uh, you know, it really does go to show that, uh, you know, there's not much faith out there in the prospects this year. No, no. I think the only guy I could think of would be, and I already forgot his name, but the guy from you from from uh, North Carolina. And I'm thinking, I'll get Sam back. Howell. Sam Howell, yeah, yeah, Sam Howell. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah, only you guy got him, Pickett, uh, yeah. Willis, Kenny Pickett. But, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. I, I think they all have flaws. I don't think yeah. any of them are first rounders, but yeah. You know, who knows? No, that that's not what I'm getting at. Like, I don't think any of them are really like, oh, yeah, this is like number one pick in the draft kind of guy. Like, they all have their holes. There's no doubt. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ron, thanks again for joining us tonight. And this has certainly been a fun yeah. journey. Um, have a good one. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, I'll be listening to the, uh, to the college basketball. Right on, my friend. Well, take care. Take it easy. Take care, my Ron. So, yeah, thank you again, Ron. Good times. And now we'll go back to John for a second, and uh, we'll see – we got here in the first four, and this has been a real barn burner at the end. 
Texas Panhandle. Dave, like I, I in the first four, my lifetime betting record has to be two and thirty. <laughs> I never get these games right. It's hard. I swear to God, I should just, I should just not turn my TV on until Thursday, <laughs> no, Thursday afternoon. I, I never get these games right. This is a tough so one to call. I, oh my gosh! I first took like I'm I'm such a dumbass though because when the matchups came out on Sunday, I said, "Oh man, Texas Southern they're gonna they're gonna roll that team because you know they've been to the tournament before they they play like a, a brutal non conference schedule every year they beat Florida this year and you know Corpus Christi like they were the five seed in their conference tournament." But then, like, of course, I start le- reading things and hearing people. Oh, they have a they have a, this great defense, and they can, you know, uh, turn over Texas Southern all all night, and it's going to be a real close game. They play in a better conference, and I think, all right, well, you know what? Let me go with the underdog here, and I'm just stupid because I should have <laughs> gone with my original feeling, which was Person. Texas Southern is going to beat these guys, and unless something miraculous happens, I'm not going to win this bet. So a nice 0 and one start to the turning. So apparently, you know, if you want more fades from me from the first four, <laughs> um, I I I like Wyoming tonight plus four and a half. So that means Indiana is just going to roll. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I I think you know uh, Wyoming is a it's a tough, you know, they they play a kind of an odd style. Uh, Maldonado is a. Um, I don't, I don't think Indiana's kind of seen a player where, like, you have to have your guards defend him because he, he does all sorts of different things. So, well, Indiana has some really good players. Um, that guy, uh, he's like a, has a hyphen name. I, his name escapes me at the moment. But that guy can get some buckets. But really, Indiana, I, they were like a cockroach last week. Yes. First day, yes. 10 tournament against Michigan. They're down, like, 15 points with 10 minutes left. You know, I'm just—I couldn't watch the game, so I'm just kind of checking my my phone every every little bit. And I see they're down, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna hit this bet. Start the day. It was 12, like the 11:30 a.m. game, and then I checked, and they they freaking came back and won. I couldn't believe they came back to win that game. Then the next day, same thing. Our Illinois is just gonna take care of these fools, and you know, Illinois might be the most fraudulent team in the tournament. Like mm-hmm. we, I am going with Chattanooga all the way. <laughs> I cannot stand Indiana. No, seriously, no, seriously yeah, though. Seriously though, absolutely. Yeah, they're a good. Absolutely. Chattanooga's a good team. Yeah. I think Andy's characterization of uh, Brad Underwood as a caveman could not be more <laughs> accurate. I mean, I'm done with done with them. Um, so we're on Chattanooga, but especially after they couldn't beat Illinois. Yeah. And then you know Iowa uh, took care of them in the semis, but that was that was a close game uh, as expected. But anyway, it gets back to the point. I don't think Indiana is that good, you know, and I see people saying, all right, well, you know, um, it's the, the conference difference is going to be huge. And, you know, they got more talented players and, you know, Wyoming kind of faltered down the stretch. They got lucky all year. Like a lot of that is true. I, I do agree. Wyoming maybe a, a little bit overvalued, um, you know, based on how they had a lot of close wins, but I'm not in love with Mike Woodson as their coach. There have been, there was a n- numerous games for the last five minutes of the game, like their offense, they would just be standing around looking at one another and like just chucking up threes. It was just horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, as Corpus Christi is making a good attempt here to maybe get in yeah. the back door, which would be nice. Maybe. Um, but in, in any event, we're going to be on Wyoming uh, after this one. So hopefully you can get a miracle here. But if not, it, you know, 
trying to get one win tonight. Well, my God, these first free. four are killing me. <laughs> well, you know what's so what's so what's so frustrating about that? I've had this game on the whole time when we've been on that we've been on the air. Texas A&M and of course, but Christie went on like it had to have been a ten minute run where they didn't score a point. It's like, come on, you guys, score something! Like that was just. That was rough. So we'll see. I will say also that I'm absolutely on Wyoming. I I can never, especially coming off that high of the, the Big Ten tournament run. I just like, I can't. I just can't see myself betting again on Indiana in any game. I don't care what the spread is. Like, uh, so I hope you're right. I guess is my point because I'm on it too, basically. So we'll see. But time will tell, folks. Why don't we say hello to our friend Andy in Seattle, who's just joined us here on the call. Andy, welcome back to the program. How's it going tonight? Where's Ron? <laughs> oh, he just dropped off, my friends. Yeah, just, he was just here for the football stuff. But it's fucking kids just missed a layoff after getting it. I'm, I'm, what are you I'm doing? Like, like, I'm a good thirty seconds ahead of you guys. Oh, okay. Unbelievable. <laughs> and to call that foul. He like he's going right into he his chest. He definitely got fouled. All the foul. Come on. I, I'm. <laughs> I should not get this angry about a 16 versus 16 game, but this is bullshit. Like, number one, make the layoff. You clearly affected the guy's shot. How about like, this? How about how about this foul shooting discussion? Nine for 19, nine for 19 for the Islanders, and 25 for 33 for Texas Southern. Are you serious? You're telling me that they're that much more physical to get that many more free throws? That's bullshit. That's a lot of free throws at college basketball game. My goodness, that's crazy. Uh, so, folks, we're gonna now do. We're gonna now invest invest in the. Oops, oh, I didn't do that right. <laughs> no, I'm pissed. What do you? Do you guys? I already missed the Brady stuff. Did Did Ron verify LT's theory that Tom Brady only wanted to play for San Francisco and Tampa Bay called his bluff, or maybe it's just that Tom changed his mind, or maybe we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, or maybe. Tom was like, I don't want to be a stay-at-home dad. I don't know. Who knows? We touched on all that stuff. We, we we touched on the on the Arians beef. We touched on that too. A lot of scenarios. Yeah, there. I mean, I'm sure John and Ron had some like intelligent thoughts about it. Like, it seems like uh, Brady's just like, I'll I'll listen to Leftwich, and like Leftwich is gonna draw the plan, and like Arians is just trying to like. But in and um, maybe that's what Tom was meeting the owner in England about. Like, you know, let's get this mm-hmm. stuff in writing. Dig it. So um, that's that's the scenario. Andy, we did want to ask this about. So John was curious as to where where our thoughts were on Joe Davis because Aikman. I mean, sorry, Joe Buck left to join Troy Aikman over at ESPN. So that leaves Fox the giant hole. So the the rumblings are that they're going to promote Joe Davis to the number one slot for NFL. NFL so pro- bad. So <laughs> what's funny is like when you. So I was going to bring this up like last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was like, luckily I didn't have to work. I was golfing and gambling and like not really on my phone. And when you're not on your phone, if you're not working, you know, at a desk or constantly in front of a computer, like, and you're not you're afraid, you're not. A, you're not getting texts from like Tommy or yachts. I miss texting with checker, obviously about gambling, but when you're away from the computer and then you actually like check your phone, like shit doesn't matter anymore. Like, Oh, baseball came back. And I'm sure like if you're on the computer on the board and base, you read the baseball came back, 
like, ooh, you get into it, but you're like, whatever, oh, baseball came back. So that that's that happened. Like when Joe Buck, when it announced that Joe Buck was leaving Fox, it's like Tommy, I think Tommy actually texted me. And I'm like, find out about it, like eight hours after the fact, like, who cares? But now it's like, now that you think about it, it's like, yeah, well, uh, Joe Davis, they have big, you know, Joe Davis or Jim Nance. Uh, like, okay, like Joe Buck or Joe Davis. Like that is a that is a massive, massive uh, hole at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a ton of announcers. Like, you know, John can name. We could all name them. Like that. Uh, first of all, there's not a ton of announcers that are gonna make you like stop what you're doing and like listen to them. But there are some announcers that like, you know, that that uh, provide gravitas and Nance is one of them. Buck is one of them. Fowler is not one of them, but he, he, I would take Fowler over Joe Davis. I would even take Burkhart, Kevin Burkhart over Joe Davis. I would even take, uh, I would even take uh, the Brad, um, John, what's his last name? Brad Nessler. Brad Nessler. Brad Nessler over Joe Davis. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys I would, you know, take over Joe Davis. Joe Davis is like the, uh, you know, the grocery store equivalent version of like Joe, you know, all these imitation Pepsi, there's actual <laughs> Pepsi, like Joe Davis's imitation Joe Buck compared to Joe Buck. Yes. Is there anything specific about the way he announces games that, that gets annoying for you? Just, he's just way too generic mm. and. Uh, and at the same time, he talks way too much as well. Like in baseball, you don't really, baseball, I feel like less is more and you don't really need, uh, you know, babble mm-hmm. too bad. Don, Don Arcello doesn't do football. Cause you know, yeah, He's I right. love Don Arcello. Same. Yeah. You know, San Diego. Really you know? good. Well, bad, or, you know, you know, they can't make Vince Scully younger. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the biggest thing with uh, with both of them actually is that they're not afraid to make fun of themselves, and particularly in the case of Don, like I think he's just fantastic in in that role of being a play by play announcer, and I think this is the biggest problem I have with modern announcers, other than Don, like like or Don Orsillo is just really good at just being kind of humble in a lot of ways, but he's not afraid to laugh at himself and not afraid to laugh in general, and I think you get too many guys that are just t- take themselves a little too seriously, so that's sort of my thought. Um, Let's go back to the topic of basketball, and we're looking at this upcoming matchup. And Mandy, just really quickly, do you are you also on Wyoming plus four? Fuck yeah! <laughs> I've got Mountain I've got Mountain West tattooed on my butt cheeks at this point. I am I am all in on the Mountain West. Like we all know, like I we talk about Mountain West football. It's I like Mountain West basketball. It's it's. You know, Tommy and company might laugh at us for like watching the Mountain West, but like, it's a good, it's a good presentation. Like, you know, maybe it's just because we're degenerates, but you know, we're watching San Jose State football games in October. We're what we're watching Nevada, UNLV, New Mexico, Wyoming, Boise State, Colorado State. It's it's a good conference in basketball. I don't I don't get why. You know, even Mad Dog was like aghast that four teams from the Mountain West were going to make it when the narrative in November and December was like this conference is pretty deep this year. 
and obviously the Atlantic 10 only got two teams. Uh, Pac-12 only got three teams. They usually get four, sometimes five, maybe even six. Even the American Athletic Conference usually gets, you know, Wichita, Houston, SMU, uh, UConn when they're in there, uh, Houston. So, like, it's simple math. When those conferences are not getting the same amount of bids that they get, well, those bids are going to go to, like, West Coast Conference and the Mountain West. And it just happened to be this year where the Mountain West, you know, got four teams. Next year, the Atlantic 10 might get four teams and the Mountain West will only get two bids. You know, it just the way the cookie crumbles. Now, they could all go belly up in the first round, but, you know, that, that could happen too because we remember 10 years ago when they got five teams you know, New Mexico, I think, was like a three seed. And I think I had New Mexico winning it all, and they lost to Harvard in the 3-14 game. So, uh, John probably remembers that. He's got good, like, memory like that. Nope, so. I have him in the Final Four, too. That was just a disaster. I don't know what the hell we were thinking. Steve Alford, his team <laughs> New Mexico. huge head. <laughs> New Mexico, yeah. I still remember it. Those are the days. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, they yeah. were – um, where is he now? Like, I'm trying to remember. Nevada. That's right. I remember. Yeah, yeah that's well, right. Comes that's... Circle. Comes back to, you know, Mountain West. That's there's right. Good, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of personality uh, from a coaching standpoint in that conference. Like, the Utah State coach is uh, the, the son of the <clears throat> Wake Forest guy, Dave Odom, who was there forever. Like, Patino's son's coach in New Mexico. Uh, we just talked about Steve Alford. Um, you know, the Colorado State coach is like this young guy. He's probably going to take a bigger job at some point. You know, uh, the Boise State guy's kind of been there forever. Um, San Diego State, you know, that guy was probably like under Fisher's wing for a long time. So he'll probably be there for a decent a while. So, you know, it's a good conference. Like yep. San Diego State reminds me of like, they play rugged like any other Big East team. You yes. Know? You know, I will say that the, the game between them and Boise State for the uh, Mountain West Championships did set college basketball back quite a few years. That was rough. But it's, I feel like that – I think San Diego State-Creighton is going to be a rock fight too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. yeah. Under 100 for that, like the total on that. I mean, anything <laughs> under 120, bet the under. I mean, it's San Diego State, Boise State – those two, uh, Fresno State, those three in the Mountain West, it just they it, they bring it to a crawl, and they can't shoot, and the defense is just really good. And the combination of those three, it, it just it's crazy. So, um, San Diego State and uh, Creighton, and then also, I feel like um, the the other matchup there, it's, it's drawing a blank. Uh, boy, whoever Boise is playing. Oh, Boise. Oh, I'm t- so I'm actually going to take Memphis in that one. Boise, yeah, Memphis, Boise and Memphis. Boise I can Memphis. see that being kind of, kind of lower scoring as, as well. But, I mean, who wants to bet an under in the NCAA tournament? No, it's kind of stupid. I but love betting under. I will do it for the Creighton. I, I think <laughs> it's you know a, what the, it kind of makes sense. It makes sense. Like, yeah, it's unfamiliar gins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Neutral sites. Um, yeah. But, you know, definitely for the Creighton-San the Creighton, uh, Diego State game, that's a yeah, I love that call. Let's go look at these. Uh, since we are between games, we can look at these regions one by one, and then we'll comment on each of them. So I'll show you what we have so far. Um, so this is where we have. Um, we can start. Yeah, this is a pretty good place to start. We'll start on the in the West, where Gonzaga once again a big favorite here. And I and honestly, 
I, I know we've all had our pieces to say about Gonzaga, but this is a team that I think is going to go places this year for sure. Like, I think they will... There is absolutely... I mean, I would be shocked if they didn't make the Final Four. And we've been talking about Duke, too. Like, you know, John and I were talking about how Duke kind of had that letdown loss against um, North Carolina. And I was actually calling it on somebody else's show, our friend, my friend Robbie G over on Twitch, like, who does a sports show, too. And, and I was just saying, look... It would not surprise me if you look at that bottom matchup, Duke versus Cal State Fullerton, because Fullerton plays that. I'm pretty sure Fullerton plays a two-three defense because it feels like everybody in the Big West does, and that two-three defense from Syracuse seemed to give them tra- problems. I would not be surprised if they were if they were in a dogfight with those guys. Honestly, John, I don't know if you're familiar with the Big West uh, with all the Big West teams, but that's a really interesting spot. Rutgers Notre Dame, which is coming up tomorrow. Very interesting spot. I would definitely take Rutgers in that one. And either team against Bama, that's going to be interesting. Um, what do you see in this region that could be interesting to you? Uh, you mentioned Memphis, so that's, that's interesting as well. Your UConn Huskies there, John. Do you worry a little bit about the 12-5 upset with New Mexico State? I mean, they, they look good. UConn did, so I don't know. Let's get your thoughts on, on this region. What do, you, what do you see here that could be juicy? Yeah, I mean, UConn is, again, same – a lot of these Big East teams, they just – there's not a lot of offense. It's just kind of just physical play, um, and UConn is the same way. They got this big guy, Sonogo. Um, you know, he needs to, to be effective for them to do well. Um, but uh, New Mexico State's a good team. I mean, they pretty much dominated their conference, which actually got better this year. Usually the WAC is a complete and utter just joke. But they added some teams from that Southland Conference uh, down in Texas. They added, um, you know, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, Abilene Christian. I mean, they were those are teams were in the, in the tournament in the past few years. So they added a little um, more depth to the conference. Uh, Seattle University was actually had a good team this year. Uh, they were the two seed in that conference. So it goes to my point of saying that them dominating that conference this year was much more impressive than in previous years. And, um, you know, they play a, a similar style to UConn. I don't know. I, I think, this, I, I mean, I can't bet, at least on the legal sports books anyway, um, can't bet UConn. Um, I, I think I see the spread is like eight. Like, I, I don't know if I would get into that. Um, I kind of would almost like New Mexico State with the spread in that one, but definitely kind of a lower scoring game. I wouldn't be totally shocked if it was an upset, but I mean, UConn, they should win. I mean, they're, they're a little bit better of a team, but um, definitely an interesting matchup for sure. Um, and then whoever wins that game, I can see Vermont being a very trendy upset pick against Arkansas. And um, they talk about a team that's dominated their conference. They lost one conference game all year, but other than Hartford. that, yeah, against Hartford, I think by one point, other than that, I think they won every conference game by like 15. You have to check the book on it, but like they, they truly just destroyed their conference. So as a matter of them, being really good or you know it was just a lot of weak teams that they're playing um time i guess time will tell when they play a play arkansas but you know vermont they're going to have a lot of shooters um you know but i mean arkansas is, is clearly the more athletic team in this matchup i mean the guy note what they once they get him going it's just they're really tough to stop but i don't like muscleman as a coach to be honest with you it's just, there's just a lot of I – mean, it just goes back to his time with Nevada. There's just a lot of hero ball kind of towards the end of the games, and there's just – they're really, really streaky. Um, they did improve their defense this year. I will say that compared to past years. But I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that game. 
Uh, clearly, Dave, I'm not like I'm just I haven't made any picks in, in round one. I'm worried about losing all these first four games like I did. <laughs> but in any event, yeah, that's gonna be a popular upset. Same thing with whoever comes out of Rutgers and Notre Dame. I mean, Alabama. Yeah. Who knows? They could win the whole thing, or they could lose the first game by 30 points. Very much so. You just do not know what you're going to get with them. If their threes are falling or if they're cold. I, I did read somebody today, and I don't remember who it was. I, I can't – I would like to give them credit. They're like, so the best prop or the best angle to bet the first game for Alabama is to either bet them to win by 10 points or more or bet them to lose by 10 points or more. I like do the alternate spreads. Interesting. Because there's like no in between with them. Um, it's it just there, you know, just the variance that they have with their three point shooters. Um, I'd like to see, you know, Notre Dame would be an interesting matchup because Notre Dame, like they're going to run that motion offense and they're going to shoot threes the whole game. Um, Rutgers is more of a rugged defensive kind of team. Um, Rutgers definitely is the better resume. I don't even know why Notre Dame is in the tournament to be quite honest with you, because they just, you know, they wanted to throw another ACC team in there. I mean, at least Rutgers has some good wins, but again, they're, they've been all at home. So, you know, what's going to happen when they get away from Jersey? Um, we'll see. Yeah. I got to think about this for, for tomorrow night. That's a really a tough matchup. Um, we kind of touched on Boise State and Memphis. Yeah, you know, Memphis is, again, a team really, really talented. Um, Penny Hardaway, not the best coach. Right. Uh, right. I don't know. We'll see how that's going to play against Boise. I don't know. That's tough. Like I'm, I'm torn on a lot of these, these games. Um, Texas tech should have their way with Montana, Montana state, but Texas tech is another team, not a lot of scoring, great defense. And when you have that kind of team, it's just worrisome. It's like, okay, like are they going to try to win this game 52 to 50. Like it, that's not great in, in the NCAA tournament. Although I would like to see them go up against Duke because I, you know, I think they would, they would do pretty well with Duke, but have you seen Duke's defense the last month? My God, it's brutal! It's brutal. awful. Oh, I, I mean, I you know I don't know about Davidson getting past Michigan State, but if Davidson beats Michigan State, like they're going to score maybe a hundred from Duke. <laughs> um, you know, their their offense. Um, yeah, you know that, that's another game that's like I, I really can't I can't figure out any of these days. Like I just like analyzing the matchups, but. Um, you know, Michigan State, very, very underachieving team this year, especially yeah. uh, for, you know, the talent they have. And, you know, you know, Izzo and March, everyone's going to default to that. But they've been really, really poor, except for a couple games over the last month, month and a half or so. Yep. Um, so I probably will just end up diving in and taking Davidson there. And then, you know, we'll see what happens in the, in the second round against Duke. But, you know, those kids are under so much pressure, too. Um, you know, you saw it against against North Carolina. Yes. It's still going to be there for Coach K. Um, you know, pressure to win for him. So, it's an interesting region. Um, I would say compared to the other ones, it's probably one of the stronger regions. Um, you know, when we when we move on here, but mm-hmm. uh, certainly Gonzaga will have earned it if they if they come out of this one. Because um, I could see any one of you know any one of the top five seeds making it here, and even some of the long shots if they, if you know they can get on a run. And I will say. I was very surprised they seeded Georgia State on number 16. I, Gonzaga's going to win, but, you know, Georgia State, they ran through the Sun Belt the last month or so, and I did not think they deserved a 16 seed. I think that they, they should have flipped Fullerton and Georgia State in this scenario. Um, but in any event, that's just my, my thought on that. Well, I think the question is, for me at least, is 
Is this is is Cal State Fullerton a tougher matchup versus Duke in this first round, or is Georgia State that mat- tougher matchup? And I don't honestly know. That's a very interesting query, John. And I, it'll be interesting to look into that. Um, but let me just show you the screen again, Andy. These are the matchups in the West region for the, the first round. I mean, if you're talking about who I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for Rutgers all the way tomorrow, and I'll root for them again if they win because I really think they can be gritty and gutty. You know, they really had their moments. Like, they were, they kind of blew it against what in the tournament, but they were right there um, last year. So that's a really good spot. And I mentioned the stuff with Fullerton, and, and John's right about Davidson. So what do you, what do you see from this region? Anything you want to point out? Yeah, you guys nailed it pretty good. You know, I, I, I'm a big Davidson guy. I'm still bitter at their game on Sunday against Richmond, which they gagged. They are up six with a minute left. And, Ian Eagle, I love him. He didn't he didn't use the C word, but they they choked. I mean, <laughs> and another like a little lesson, you know, for teams that just like down five with a minute left and they just jack up a three. Watch the tape of Davidson Richmond and watch what Richmond did. They didn't force any threes. They just they went for layups and I think the refs called like three and ones, three straight possessions, and it worked out. And Davidson forgot to run offense in the last 90 seconds and basically didn't score the last two minutes of the game. They had that game. That game was theirs. It was there. Lee kind of took a bad three with like 30 seconds left. But all that to say, I, I like Davidson. I'm worried. The cynic in me thinks like the refs are going to, do whatever they can to have Michigan State win, so set up a potential Sunday matchup with Izzo and Coach K, even though we see that matchup like once every three years in November when it's like, I forget what they call it, but it's Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and Michigan State. They always do that round robin, but um, uh, I'm I'm with you. I As we all know, you know, Duke, Duke lost in the first round before. Hello, Lehigh, um, Winky, but um, Fullerton, I'm going to take Fullerton with the points. I'm not going to have Fullerton win in the bracket, but I'm going to take Fullerton getting the points. John's right. Duke's defense is, is not good at all. And um, But from a bracket standpoint, I'll probably have Duke lose to Texas Tech, um, not Gonzaga. I don't think they're going to make it to the Elite Eight. Dave, you mentioned how we don't you know, we'd like to make fun of Gonzaga, but that doesn't mean we don't think they're good. <laughs> So I actually have them in the, I have them going to the finals and losing because that's what I'd like to see. I'd mm-hmm. like to see them get so far and then lose <laughs> to Tommy Lloyd. If Tommy Lloyd, you, you know, be like it'd be hilarious if Tommy Lloyd wins a final a, a, a championship before Mark Few. But pushing the cart way ahead of the horse in that spot, yeah, I think it's Gonzaga. You know, some people think in Memphis can give Gonzaga trouble with all their like NBA talent, but I don't. I don't think. Uh, Memphis ha- is like cohesive enough to you know for a full 40 minutes to to beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga they they run a great you know I hate them but they're they're just so efficient in in what they do. I hate them so much. I fucking hate them. But you know they're gonna go to the final four. I mean if they don't then it's like LOL Hibbert. But uh, Rutgers. I'm rooting really hard for them tomorrow as well. Like I feel like Notre Dame, they're, they they got in because they beat Kentucky either in November or December, whenever that was. And 
Notre Dame is the same team every year. You know, it's the same version. It's Mike Bray. It's it's kind of like a deliberate offense. They shoot a lot of threes, and it's it's very it's just it's just kind of bland basketball in my opinion. And um, Alabama, to both your guys' points, like they're such a Jekyll Hyde team. They never like. They never milk shot clock, even in a close game with three minutes left. They're, they'll still jack it with 20 seconds left in the shot clock. That's just their style. Like, they kind of epitomize, like, SEC basketball, which is, uh, you know, one game's going to be 83-82. The next game's going to be, you know, 54-53. But it's not because they slowed the game down unless you're Ben Howland. It's just – it can be some ugly basketball sometimes. But it's very, you know, it's a lot of like skinny six nine guys that can jump through the, you know, jump through the roof, but get some disjointed basketball too. Like Kentucky does it, Arkansas plays that same way. Yep, Auburn does it. I was gonna say Auburn. I think it's a, ref- <laughs> I think it's a reflection of like, uh, to John's point about you know, um, what's his name, Musselman not being a great coach. I mean, the same can be said about Calipari and Bruce Pearl. Like, they can recruit. the, They can get the best guys to come to their schools. But when it comes to running, like, good plays and crunch time, that's where they kind of lack, right? So right. you've got these stars, but they don't know what to do in, in close games. And that, could, that can kind of be a recipe for, you know, disjointed, ugly basketball. Plus, these guys are 19, 20 years old. They're, they're babies. And – uh, they get nervous, and when the stakes are so high, you're going to get, you know, nasty shooting numbers sometimes, which is why, like, some people like to play the unders in these events. But I, I just can't do it. I can't – I can't – I don't like betting the unders. But um, back to the bracket, yeah, like Alabama win or, you know, win it all or lose in the first round. I agree. I'm taking I'm taking Vermont over Arkansas. Uh, I'm not as high as New Mexico State. As John, I think UConn should be able to take care of business. Um, you know, New Mexico State—they're all—I mean—they're always in the in the WAC final. Um, they got that guy Allen. His brother is the other Allen on on Texas. I don't know if they're identical twins or not, but you know, the brotherly love there. And then, um, yeah, it's gonna be a interesting bracket. You know, there's two teams that. Uh, you know, kind of like to relish like the villain role in Duke and Gonzaga. If you're not a, like, if you're not a student at either of those schools, like a good chance you, you don't like either of them. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just, we'll just see what happens. And yeah, I'm rooting hard for Rucker. Um, I like Ron Harper's son and the, the kid Mulcahy. He's fun to watch too. Um, and yeah, it'd be, some fresh blood where you don't see Rutgers in the dance that often. And yeah, why they get to have the play in game instead of Michigan is beyond me. That's stupid. It is what it is. So on we go to the, the next region, the South. Let's give it a look. This region looks like one that could be ripe for a lot of double digit upsets, like outright upsets. I mean, I just could see, I could see Longwood taking out Tennessee because I never trick Rick Barnes in a big spot. Loyola Chicago is interesting. I, I'm I'm kind of curious what you guys think of that game. I, I have no I have no feel at all. I think 
it's just one of those deals where they've had to have so much experience, although they lost their leading scorer, who was a senior last year. And, I mean, he was terrific for them. But uh, I could see them beating Ohio State. I could see UAB taking at Houston. I could see Chattanooga. I could definitely see Chattanooga taking at Illinois. But let's go back to John and Michigan, too, for the Colorado State. Though Andy's not high on them, which is fair. But, John, what do you see from this bracket? Do you see upsets here in this bra- in this region as well? Yeah, we got some potential here. Um, the committee loves these Big Ten versus Mountain West matchups. It's like a, it's like a new rivalry here, Colorado State and Michigan. Um, I don't understand how is Colorado State a six when uh, they boy and Boise State's an eight when Boise State won the regular season and conference tournament. Um, that I, that I didn't get, but in any event. Uh, Michigan's a two-point favorite in this game, and they're like, you know, 17 and 15, which makes you, you know, it's kind of scary because, you know, I mean, I'd like the Mountain West, and, you know, Michigan definitely has some potential here. Um, you know, they've proven it on occasion throughout the year, but again, a very inconsistent team. That's why they're almost, they almost have a 500 record. Um, you know, in Colorado State, uh, their coach, uh, Andy, referenced him, Med- Nico Medved. I mean, he's kind of a new age, you know, one of these analytical kind of guys. Um, you know, and this their, their uh, center, David Roddy, got to watch out for him. Um, you know, he, like, you can't miss him. He's got, like, a full beard. He's just a really big, burly guy. But he's also, he can also shoot. Basically, he can do everything on the court. Um, so he's, he's a player that you got to watch out for. Uh, in this game. So we'll see how he matches up against Michigan's bigs. I, honestly, if the spread wasn't the way it is, like I would honestly take Colorado state. It just, it really gives you pause. Like why is Michigan favored by two points in this? Like I thought it would have been, if it was Colorado state minus two, like, okay, I can see that. But like Michigan minus two, like that's a little interesting. Like I, I don't think Michigan is that good of a team, but in any event, um, in terms of the other big 10 kind of middle and big 10 team here, uh, Ohio state, yeah, I, again, up and down all year with this team. Um, don't really know what you're going to get. Um, you know, obviously they had the loss last year to Oral Roberts when they were the two seed. Um, clearly not quite as uh, as good this year. They're seven. Um, Loyola Chicago coached by uh, Drew Valentine, who used to play for Michigan State. I think he's like the youngest coach in college basketball. He's got to be like 33 years old or 34 years old. Um, they kind of, they were like number one in the Valley all year. And then the last couple of weeks, they kind of slipped and they ended up getting the fourth seed in the conference tournament. Um, but they brought their defense to their conference tournament. I don't think any team scored 50 points on them and they just lit it up from behind the arc. So they're playing well. I'll probably end up going with them in this game. Um, that spread is basically like a pick them I saw. So I, I, I kind of do lean Loyola Chicago. Um, I mentioned Illinois and Chattanooga. I'm on this Chattanooga team. Like I'm, I'm sick of Illinois. They burned me last year when they were the one seed, and we were like, "All right, this team is loaded. They're going to like the finals." And they lost to, they lost to, they they, lost to Loyola. Yeah, yeah, lost to Loyola. Yeah, one eight. Yeah, yeah, Uh, horrible. It just, just, just Underwood. Like he's a clown. I, I I can't stand (laughs) that guy. Um, and he was good at uh, Oklahoma State too. Like I, I just don't understand. You know. He got more like they got more talented players than he had at Oklahoma State, and it, like he he just doesn't know what to do, and they just 
they surround Coburn with like all these shooters. And again, it's, they're another team that it's all based on their three point shooting. And then if this guy gets into foul trouble I and mean, they're screwed, but uh, Chattanooga has like some high level transfers. They got a guy, uh, D'Souza who played for Kansas. Um, the Southern conference is a pretty good conference in terms of the mid majors. So I like this team. Um, I'm going to be in on them uh, and you know what, screw it. We're going to go with them for the upset. Um, Do it. I think Houston, yeah, I think Houston was kind of disrespected, honestly, with their seed. You know, if you look at the metrics, like they're top five in like the Ken Palm ratings and they're top five in these other uh, advanced statistical ratings. And they ended up with a five seed and the committee clearly did not like the American Conference. Um, they lost two of their best point guards earlier in the season. So for them to be at this point really is just a testament to uh, Calvin Sampson and the, the coaching that he does, you know, Obviously, he has issues back in the day with some compliance things, yeah. um, but <laughs> there's no doubt. There's no doubt the guy can coach, and he's proven that at Houston. Um, the only thing is UAB. I watched a little bit of that conference USA final. They're an interesting team, um, coached by former Ole Miss coach Andy Kennedy. Um, you know, kind of a <laughs> kind of a, uh, you know an interesting coach himself. I mean, didn't really do much at Ole Miss, but they got a guy. Um, uh, his name escapes me, but he's just a pure scorer. Um, jelly, 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 Walker. yes, jelly, yes. Our friend Stucky mentions him all the time. Um, he can just completely go off. But Houston's defense is so good. Um, I think that he they should be able to to win this game. But the only thing is, like, if you look back on the results from say the past ten years, the Conference USA does really well, especially in the first round. Like, I can just remember off the top of my North head, Texas. UAB had yeah, North Texas last year. Um, I remember one year, it had to have been, uh, gosh, maybe 2015, 2016. I was already, I picked Iowa State to win it all. Fred Hoiberg, like that's when he was actually a good coach. Yeah. yeah. And, George Niang might have been on that team. George Niang, all those guys, like they just, the, just, they'd won the Big 12 tournaments. Like, all right, this is their year. Um, and they lost to UAB as like a three seed or a two seed in the very first game of the tournament. So my bracket was done by two o'clock on Thursday. Which was oh no! A horrible, horrible feeling. I was right there. That, that same boat. Same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, awful, awful. Not what you want when you're doing a bracket anyway. Obviously, you can bet on all the games. But anyway, my point is, Conference USA is consistently pulls these upsets and is underrated. Um, I feel like North Texas beat Purdue last year. They beat Purdue one year. Uh, it in, was last year, yeah. Game. It was like a, yeah, and it was a low-scoring game. It was like it took overtime for them to get to like. Oh yeah, North Texas is one of the lowest-scoring teams. I mean, their game against La Tech, they it was like forty to thirty-eight. I'm actually, uh, I'm a sick individual, and I'm watching North Texas, Texas State, and the <laughs> NIT right now um, <laughs> for your degenerate moment of the night. And it's forty-two to forty in the second half. So oh, it's just damn, very, dude. very low scoring. Um, yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, to your point, Dave, Tennessee and Longwood. Yeah, give me Longwood with the spread. The Lancers, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah, it, it's an it's an interesting thing because I think I'd have to look back on some data to prove my this point. But I feel like teams that are going on a huge run and win their conference tournament are more likely to get upset round one than teams that went out earlier kind of struggled because maybe they're just like so confident in themselves and they're like, oh yeah, we're just going to crush this team. And they, and it just leads to some upsets. And um, I agree with you on Barnes. Like they're, they, they've been playing great. Like, I'm not going to say they haven't been. I mean, clearly they just won the SEC tournament over the last month. They've kind of 
improve their offensive efficiency and the whole bit, but hard to trust him in a big spot for sure. And this Longwood team is, they just keep covering and they like, there's been, I remember in their tournament, they were giving seven points in this, in this one game and they were down like 10 in the first half. It's like, all right, no problem. They're just going to come. They just came back and covered. And, um, you know, really out of nowhere too, this is their first ever tournament appearance. I remember them just being like a, a, you know, a doormat in that league for, for, and, you know, since they've been D1, it can't, it couldn't have been not a number of years. So I'll be on that. I'll, I like them with the spread. We're going to, we're going to go with Longwood. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the eight, nine game we kind of mentioned Seton Hall TCU, you know, Jamie Dixon, who knows with this guy, uh, same thing with Seton Hall. This is like your, your classic eight, nine matchup. I don't, I don't know what to pick. I, I think the big 12 is a better league. I mean, TCU did beat Kansas and they almost beat them like back to back nights. Um, so I will probably lean TCU in this matchup a lot. Like I said, I don't trust Dixon completely. I mean, he had a number of failures at Pitt in the tournament, and remember that over, over the years. But I probably would lean uh, towards TCU in that game. And then the one and the two seeds. I mean, Arizona is just completely loaded. I mean, you know, they easily could win the title here and cut down the nets. They shouldn't have too much of an issue with Bryant or Wright State. I do like Bryant. I don't know why they're the underdog against Wright State. Um, I think Wright State got a gift in their conference tournament. They should have never beaten Northern Kentucky. That's another game that I'm just going to bother me for a while. They were, oh, that was crazy. Just, yeah. yeah. It blew a huge lead in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Brian, yeah, I think yeah, Brian yeah. will win. We just, we got to see this guy, Peter Kiss in the, in the main bracket. I mean, that dude's an animal. So we need to see, he's the nation's leading scorer. We need to get him in the main, in the main bracket. So we want Bryant to win tomorrow to play Arizona. And then, you know, Villanova and Delaware. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I will honestly, I have not seen that much of Nova this year. I know Gillespie is still there. You know, Jay Wright is going to run his same offense. They're going to be dependent on the three point shot, but it seems like their defense, like all of Nova's games are played in like the fifties and sixties, it seems. So I guess that would kind of benefit them going forward, but yeah, it's an interesting region. Um, overall, I would kind of lean towards Arizona, I think coming out of this one uh, oh. when it, when all is, but um, you know, I could, I definitely could see some upsets here. You, I could see, uh, I could see the 11, 12, 13 or 14 seeds win, winning this winning yeah. in, in round. I, I, two other points I want to make before I get to Andy. Um, I, I really, really do like Arizona in this region. Like I, I just keep doubting them. I'm like, ah, oh, they're going to struggle against this team. They just keep on winning they keep blowing teams out in within the league. I was very impressed with them this year. I, I don't have any complaints about them. And the other comment was about Bryant Wright State. This is such a fascinating matchup for me because they were the two. They really were like the two storylines of that particular evening. Like Wright State had the big comeback in one game, and Bryant was absolutely humiliating. Who was the other team? I'm trying to remember who it was. Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, and I think that was the NEC, right? Because that's that's the one where they had the giant ass fight. And so this is all happening at the same time. So it's very interesting that these two teams are playing one another. So, um, Andy, let's get your thoughts on the South Regional. So much potential so, for upsets. What do you yeah. think? So, Rick Barnes, I just saw the tweet yesterday. One, eleven and one against the spread in the last thirteen NCAA. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So, uh, I'll probably take Longwood as well. I don't. I don't know why Stuky was so like always faded Longwood only to complain that he got a bad beat when Longwood ultimately covered. But that's really all I know about Longwood. They they were like always down in their conference tournaments and then they end up winning and covering. 
sometimes in overtime. So I'm gonna I don't I'm not gonna write down Longwood in the bracket, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Longwood to cover. Um, I'm gonna take Ohio State over Loyola. I Ohio State's burned me a few times this year. I've watched Loyola far too often to admit this year. You know, I've seen Loyola Drake like three times, you know, both regular season games and the tournament game. But um, I'm going to take Ohio State. I feel like a lot of people are going to take Loyola. And uh, I'm just like, Ohio State, are they going to lose in the first round again? Maybe. Loyola, are they going to really beat another Big Ten team again? Maybe. We'll see. Um, I'm with John on Chattanooga. I'm going to have them. I'm going to have them win outright. We're going we'll to see what happens. Uh, the 8-9 game, the, I'm going to go with TCU. I feel like they are just a little more, you know, gritty, gutty, one, two, three. I know Dixon had some issues with Pittsburgh. You know, those teams were tough to watch. They really struggled on offense sometimes. But the different – I think he's a Ben Howland disciple too. Yeah. Cause Howland did coach there and Dixon was the assistant and Howland UCLA Dixon. Yeah. So, you know, he, he runs like a very methodical rugged defense first style. Um, and Seton Hall, Seton Hall, is just a, Seton Hall is very uh, loosey goosey Jekyll Hyde. You know, I'm still not, I still haven't forgiven them for losing, you know, against St. John's money line parlay, but, um, uh, and Tommy, our friend, you know, Tommy, the, the post of college basketball says Seton, Seton Hall fans are sick of uh, the coach. I forget his last name, but uh, more than Willard. Yeah, Willard, more adjustments than a chiropractor for John Rothstein. So uh, I'm going to go with the nine seed in that game with TCU. I'm with John with Houston. They just, um, th- they just uh it's not a pretty style either you know and, and last year they were a little more fun to watch with you know Giroux and kind of, I think that was last year might have been two years ago but um you know when they had that run this year their team's built a little more different but uh they kind of went under the radar that whole conference this year went under the radar without you know UConn to be fair in a you know Wichita State is no longer Wichita State. You know, that coach kind of ran into some, you know, trouble or whatever oh, yeah. he did. But, um, yeah, I will probably – I'll probably take Jelly Walker to cover, but obviously I'll have Houston in the bracket. Um, I got Houston in a Sweet 16 situation against Arizona. Uh, I got Villanova as as much as I – as they bother me because they're good and they kind of – as John mentioned, they've been, they haven't always been covering, but they've been winning these games. Sometimes they've been covering too. That UConn game pissed me off. UConn plus two and a half and find out they, they lose by three last week. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think they covered against Creighton in the, in the Big East final either. But, um, yeah, John mentioned like they, 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 they keep the scoring in the high 50s, low 60s, but they all like they're a good shooting team. Uh, and they make free throws. I'm, I'm paraphrasing Chris Russo. Like they can all make jump shots. They can all make free throws. And Gillespie, he's such a pest. He is not afraid of the big spot, though. So uh, they're 
Their lack of size, I think, will eventually catch up to them, especially if they do end up facing Arizona down the road. But I have them winning at least three games in the in the tournament. And with Colorado State, Michigan, big body David Roddy, I will I will I will uh, pledge my allegiance to the to the Rams. So be it if they lose to Michigan, I. They it's just I've been, you know, we just watch all the hours watching Colorado State basketball this year. I'm not going to turn my back against them. Like <laughs> I just can't do it. I just have them. You know who? The the thing that sucks is that Tennessee. I mean Tennessee, like Rick Barnes for all his struggles in in postseason in March. Like that team is awfully talented. So. I still have Tennessee winning a couple games in my bracket. Yeah, I just I'll just fade, you know, I'll just take the underdog in in you know from a gambling standpoint. But um, that's why though everyone like Tennessee got screwed as a as a three versus a two seed. That may be true, but it, you know it's still Rick Barnes. So you know who, who really cares in, in the big scheme of things? Arizona's got some you know tough tough competition though you know nova tennessee whereas you know a team like kansas i don't know but we're yeah we're sticking to this bracket here yeah like it's all i'm taking chalk from a one final four standpoint it's just like i'm i'm getting a little creative with the four 13s the six and 11s and the seven tens that's where you can make your money gambling and then with your bracket you can be a little chalky with your top seeds and that's my uh soak for the day on the uh on that bracket out of the south well you'll get more mileage out of that though like if you if you go chalky for your final four you know the odds of it having getting more points out of that are better than not a lot of the time i said it as a joke and Mm -hmm. john could probably agree john will probably agree too like the 13 over four is the new 12 over five Uh, absolutely i'm with you like if you look at the matchups this year the, I like the 13-4 matchups much better than the the 12-5s, and I'm sure we'll get to one that everybody is picking in a minute. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it, Jack. Rat, you know. Oh yeah, Dave, uh, you'll see. I mean, you know. I see it. <laughs> All right, so let's get ahead to the east. I'm wondering. Let's and then here's what we got over there. Um, the defending champion Baylor, but it is a compromised Baylor because of injuries. I don't think they're expected to do as much as they did last year, which was win it all, bros. Um, North Carolina Marquette is the one everyone's talking about. They're like, oh, man, goodness, this game could go either way. Um, Tate Mary's in Indiana or Wyoming. <laughs> and then you've got Akron, UCLA, and this. Texas, Virginia Tech, Purdue versus Yale. Murray State versus San Francisco. I should give you the seeds, too. Uh number two kentucky versus number 15 st peter's let's go back to john and let's get your thoughts on the east what do you think yeah this is an interesting region mm-hmm. um i guess we'll go right to the that game that i was referring to yep. <laughs> um oh i'm sorry no we're that's in the midwest that's the next Never one mind. right yeah that's the next one yeah we're going to yeah. yeah we're going to save that for the last region yeah um well i'll still touch on the 413 matchup i mean ucla akron the Mac isn't a bad conference. I have to say, I spent way too many Friday nights watching Mac basketball. 
uh, because of, of of bets and whatnot that were going on. And Akron wasn't even the best team all year. I wouldn't even say they were the third best team um, because Toledo won the league. Kent State had just a huge winning streak to end the year. Um, and then Akron uh, was like the fourth seed in the conference tournament. And they and they got, you know, they uh, made their way. They, they beat Toledo and um, here they are. Uh, and the Mac has been pesky in, in these in these tournaments, but you know clearly you know they're they're they lack the talent that obviously UCLA has um, with you know with Ju Zhang and um, Tiger Campbell and you know all these guys that they have that can just you know flat out score and um, you know Cronin has kind of an interesting history as a as as a tournament coach. Although last year was just an amazing run. Um, I kind of like UCLA's chances in this region, to be honest with you. Um, when you just kind of look at it from a whole, um, you know, you, like you said, Dave, Baylor's just very depleted. Um, I still give them – I mean, they're still a very good team. I mean, the, the last game of the year, they even without those players that you mentioned, they still ha- – they handled Kansas in the second half. So I'm not saying they can't make the Final Four, but, um, you know, definitely not a full-strength Baylor team. Um, you know, they're going to handle Norfolk State. But then in the 8-9 uh, matchup, you know, I don't think anyone really expected anything out of Marquette. So Shaka Smart did a pretty good job this year. Um, you know, he's always an interesting bet as an underdog. That's what you say, you take Shaka as an underdog. But I, I think it's kind of a bad matchup against North Carolina. I, I don't – not really in love with this North Carolina team. They don't really play defense. But they can rebound. Uh, their big center um, – uh, I forget. I think it's Bacot, I think is his name. Uh, they clean up the glass, and that's kind of where Marquette – struggles so um you know I, w- I would leave marquette in that game um i'm sorry i leave north carolina in that game and then uh st mary's getting the wyoming indiana winner uh i mean i think st mary's would probably beat wyoming i mean you know if i said you know i'm taking wyoming in this game i would say they'd beat indiana too but i don't know i just feel like they met wyoming the way st mary's plays they're another team they just they bring the game to a crawl they play really good defense. I mean, they they the way they beat Gonzaga is like they they clogged up the game, and I don't think Gonzaga scored seventy points in that game, which is unheard of. That's crazy. Gonzaga, yeah. the, way, the way they right. play. So I don't know. I feel like whoever wins in this game, it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, you know, but St. Mary's they're good. Um, you know, I don't know if they're five seed good. That was a little surprising, but they're a good team. And uh, Wyoming is not proving us right so far about the mountain west they do not look good but <laughs> still, a still some time to go, to go here still a lot of games yeah to go. long way to go yeah um let's see here yeah purdue and yale again purdue another team you cannot trust them whatsoever i mean if the i whole had conference the whole conference yeah the whole big 10 like i remember last year <laughs> oh yeah 10 big 10 teams in let's go and you know, it was just a complete and utter disaster from all of them basically yeah um yeah the three-pointer right there right there boom yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Purdue playing Yale, another Connecticut team. I'm all here for it. Uh, you know, I know it's stereotypical, but the Yale kids are so smart. Like, they're not going <laughs> to beat themselves here in this game. But remember they when they made the tournament a few years ago, they beat Baylor. And they beat Baylor. That's right. That, that was Baylor. a 3 14 game, I believe. Yep, yep. And I, I mean, I think I had Yale in that one. It was just the, the matchup. Um, that was like when Scott Drew, like they, he couldn't win these games. Uh, that was before they, you know, he, he got over that hump eventually. But yeah, I just don't trust this Purdue team. Um, you know, they got these two big guys, but they really can't play on the, the court at the same time. Their defense isn't good. Like, 
I don't know. I, I'm the, I want nothing to do with them. I'll probably take Purdue to win this game. I don't know. I might take take Yale for the only reason because I this is going to go completely disprove my theory that I said before about writing the hot team from the conference tournament. But this Vatech team, like they are playing so good right now. Um, they they struggled at the beginning of the season, and um, they really couldn't find you know, any kind of rhythm. They lost a lot of close games. I mean, I think they lost a few games on like half court shots. They were basically dead and buried essentially in the ACC and they played really well down the stretch. And then uh, they got hot at the right time in the ACC tournament. They did need another buzzer beater to beat Clemson on like the first night basically mm-hmm. um, to win that. And then they, they destroy uh, Carolina and Duke, but I really like the way they're playing. And again, Texas is another team. I just want nothing to do with after watching them a number of times this year, I don't know what happened with Chris Beard from Texas Tech to Texas, but every single possession when I bet them in like the second half, it ends in like a missed layup for a turnover, and their their offensive sets are just horrible. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm I'm really the spread in this game is like a pick them, so I think it kind of shows you um, it could go either way here. And I'm just going to ride the hot team with Vatek in this situation. I think my theory that I said before is more so for like like a two seed or a three seed that like rolls through their conference tournament and is overconfident. I don't think Bob Tech's going to be overconfident. I think they're going to be thrilled to, to be there and play this, you know, playing in the tournament. But I'm all bored with Bob Tech in this matchup. Um, let's see what else did I mention here? Oh, uh, yeah, Kentucky. I mean, they're going to get past St. Peter's. Uh, they're clearly uh, one of the more talented teams in the country. And, um, you know, we have to check the status of some of their players that weren't really um, available. Uh, the last month or so of the season. Um, so we keep an eye on that, but they're very talented enough to get to the final four. Um, and then the one game in the region where I have literally no idea right now is San Fran and Murray state. Um, San Fran had to be nervous because they were literally the last team announced. Um, and I was like trying to go through my head, like, okay, like who's left? Who haven't they even announced left? And I thought they were going to say um, like Oklahoma or Texas A&M for this last spot, but nope, San Francisco comes right up. And I just hate it when they pair these two like mid majors together because it's just it's just stupid. Like why, like these two teams should be playing power conference teams. Like I I don't understand that. But this should be a really good game. Um, San Francisco, you know they clearly they play in the better conference. But Murray State, I mean their their record's thirty and two. Um, I don't know. This is a really toss up in my mind. San Francisco really has a another one of those coaches that goes by analytics. He's a really young guy. Um, every time I've watched them, though, I mean, I remember they had, they blew a huge lead against St. Mary's, which was a bad loss. They lost to BYU. It's not even the tournament. The more I kind of I'm talking this out, I'm, maybe I'm kind of leaning more Murray State in this game. But to be decided, this should just be a really good game. And, again, it's a shame that these two teams won't play against each other. So um, in terms of, like, the teams to advance from this, I think – I don't know about Baylor advancing, honestly, to the Final Four. Um, I would say either – but I think they have a, a chance. I think it's going to be Baylor, UCLA, um, or Kentucky. And if you really want a long shot, I could say maybe Vodtech. Those would be my four uh, teams I could see coming out of this. Yeah, I think if you were going to ask me who was going to come out of this, I would probably say UCLA at this point. I don't know enough about Kentucky to really have a feel, but Andy made the point that they can be up and down, and they really are. They really are. Like, they looked really good against Auburn when they were at Auburn earlier this year. Kentucky just died in the second half. They couldn't hit a shot. So I trust UCLA just so much more. 
They've played well against the good teams. I know they lost to Arizona in the Pac-12 championship, but this is a team I trust. They made great runs. They made a great run last year. And everything I've seen from them this year, they've just been, they took care of business against all the bad teams. They really didn't have a bad loss. Like, Losing to USC, that's no big. That's not a big deal. That's not a problem. I mean, that's a rivalry game. UCL, USC's got talent too. I mean, you have Melton, and it's a good team. So I, uh, is it Melton? But I, Mobley, Mobley. Sorry, not Melton. But, but still, I I feel very similar to you as far as who comes out of there, John. Um, Andy, let's go to you. Let's get your thoughts on this region. Uh, maybe just a quick thought because I do want to move into Midwest. I'm very interested in that in that region too. So, uh, what are your thoughts as far as the East though? Before we go there. Yeah, I just <clears throat> echo the similar thoughts of John. Like, I'm all over Virginia Tech over Texas. I'm going to take Murray over San Francisco. Murray's only, like, bad loss was against, like, Belmont um, last month. And uh, Murray, uh, Belmont, well, it's obviously not in the tournament. Belmont covered every game against Murray. Um, but that was, like, their Achilles heel. Um and yeah, with San Francisco, good year, but yeah, that game against St. Mary's still bothered me because St. Mary's isn't a team that usually comes back when they're down like 15 to 18 points, and that's exactly what happened against San Francisco. Um, I'll probably lean Marquette over North Carolina. Um, Dave, I agree with you. I, th- I think UCLA can go pretty deep. I don't I still haven't gotten far enough, like, to decipher Baylor versus UCLA just yet. But, you know, they're good. I mean, Jamie Jasquez, or how he looks like a conquistador, and Johnny Juzang. Like, they're a good team. And I I used to hate Cronin when he was at Cincinnati. But, you know, he's kind of grown on me a little bit. And, uh, yeah, with Purdue versus Yale. Purdue, I mean, I'm I lost – I won't tell you all how much I lost, but I I lost like 15 units on the Purdue-Iowa game. I'll leave it to you to let you know how much a unit is these yeah. days, but I was just, I was just chasing them. The thing about Purdue is like, but Trevion Williams is is really good. He's been there forever, but the guy, Edie, that basically plays exactly like Gao Ming did in Houston, just very plodding. Uh, he, if you fed him every time, like – he should be able to score, but like college basketball, it, it, it's not that game. Game just is like kind of like antiquated now, but like they still like feed him in spurts. But he's just like he's very slow. He can't really get down the court on defense, and he gets in foul trouble a lot. So like with Purdue, it's like if you feed him all the time, at any given moment he gets foul trouble, and then he's gone. Then when he gets back, he's like, he's not in rhythm. And then it's just on defense, he's a liability because A, he doesn't get back fast enough and B, because he's always getting in foul trouble. So um, he's just like, you look him up, Edie, he's like, he's huge. And he, he does look like Yao Ming He's because he's wicked tall and he's got good post moves and everything. But it's a different, you know, those, those moves aren't as valuable anymore because the game's so fast and different. And uh, like John said, like I cannot trust Purdue. So, yeah, I don't have Purdue going far. And I'll probably take Yale with the points. And, John, next year, remind me, on the Ivy League game on Sunday, just take the dog because a team like Princeton, they shouldn't have been favored by four. Their conference record was basically the same as Yale, but 
they're out of conference record bait like Yale's 18 and 11 and Princeton's like 20 and six or whatever but they you know Princeton got tight because they had the pressure on them as the favorite and Yale was loosey-goosey yeah, I like how they do it. They only bring four seeds and four teams in there. Like, get rid of the rest of this the shit in the conference. Just bring your best teams and let's you know have a have a two day tournament. So they, they do it the right way. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good game. I went back and forth the whole way, really. So it was a good one. Um, all right, so great. So we're into the we're onto the Midwest, and now we can address the elephant in the room. Uh, let me queue up the Midwest first, and then yeah, here it is: Richmond versus Iowa. All right, John, I know you've got a thought on it. Kansas is the top dog in this round in the round of 64. That's the number one seed. You're eight nine this year in the Midwest is San Diego State versus Creighton, and you both also made the point already. This is going to be an ugly game. We'll see. Um, as for the four thirteen, Providence, South Dakota. I, man, who knows? <laughs> I have no idea who either. But, um, Iowa State, LSU, LSU number six. Iowa State number eleven. No idea. Number three, Wisconsin versus number fourteen, Colgate. Again, no idea. I think Wisconsin probably wins by a lot. Um, seven ten though. USC number seven. Miami of Florida number ten. I mean, I love USC here, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Miami won. But given the choice, I think I trust USC more here. And then the two fifteen is Auburn number two versus Jacksonville State number fifteen. So, John, let's go back to you. What are your thoughts about the Midwest region? I know you're chomping at the bit for the Richmond Iowa matchup. Uh, let's let's hear your thoughts. Uh, no, Dave. Actually, the game I'm more interested in is the Providence-South Dakota State game. Oh! Um, because, okay. you know, if you listen to these, you know, I'm way too deep into, like, the, the gambling Twitter and, you know, blogosphere, whatever you want to call it. But basically, Providence is, like, one of the, quote, luckiest teams, like, in college basketball. Like, they've won so many games by, like, a small margin, and just the way they play is just not sustainable. Um, and they really shouldn't be like a four seed. It, it, we kind of saw a little bit of that regression come in the Big East tournament when they just got absolutely just destroyed by Creighton. Um, you know, even when they were, you know, going to clinch the Big East tournament, they or clinch the, the regular season title. The very next game, they were like twelve point underdogs to Villanova, which is crazy. Yeah, they ended up they, they covered that game, but that's the whole thing. Like in terms of all the, like the, the metrics and stuff that people go by. They should really not be a four seed, um, and they're going up against a South Dakota State team that is just is just incredible in terms of the way they can score. That that conference um, Summit League, you like to bet overs, man. Like every game in that conference is like eighty five to eighty, and when I like look through the scores, and every team can like builds their team that way, so it's a pretty entertaining conference. So this South Dakota State team, they might even be better than uh, they had made the tournament a few years ago with. Um, you know, with, with this bit, that big guy, I forget his name. Uh, you guys, I'm drawing a blank, but, um, you know, he was a, a premier player for them, but this team might be, might be even better. And, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. Like a four seeds, a two point favorite over 13 seed. Like, I mean, what's, what's it telling me? But my only concern is now is that Pro, like South Dakota state is such a trendy, like upset pick. Like now Providence is going to kind of grind the game down and just win how they've kind of won all year. Um, I, I do like Ed Cooley and, you know, the way they play, it's just, they're always just, it feels like they're just completely just crashing the glass and just grabbing offensive rebounds after missed threes and layups. And that's kind of how they play, but it's been working for them. Um, I guess just a lot of it is not sustainable. So we'll see. I, I don't know if I'm going to fall into the trap. I probably will uh, just because you're, 
you know, it's fun to root for an upset. And I don't think Providence is going very far anyway. Now the Iowa Richmond game, you know, I, kudos to Iowa. I mean, they had a great run in the tournament in the big 10 tournament. Um, but again, their defense isn't very good. And that's kind of what could get you here. Um, Richmond runs that kind of Princeton style offense where they're just kind of running a lot of motion and shooting threes. I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, they really should have lost that uh, A-10 title game as Andy referenced, but I don't know. I mean, the spread is pretty big. I probably would lean towards Richmond points, but I mean, Iowa, they can score with anybody. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They can put up 85 points. Uh, Keegan Murray, that guy's like a walking basket. I mean, he can just unbelievable. And they got Bohannon and I think McCaffrey's kids are still there playing. So, I mean, they can score with anybody. It's just their defense. And that, you know, remember last year, Oregon just blitzed them um, in a game like that. So we'll see, but I don't think they'll have, I don't think they'll lose to Richmond, but I could see it being a close game. Uh, we talked about the rock fight between San Diego state and Creighton. I probably lean with San Diego state. Uh, Creighton did lose a, a player towards the end of the year, uh, Ryan Nephard, and I guess they've been managing without him, but I think, you know, it'll be, it'll be tough for them in this game. Um, LSU Iowa State is interesting because LSU's coach was is not going to be there. Uh, Will Wade uh, dismissed <laughs> because of his allegations of you know, you know, paying off some players and players' families and, and whatnot. But um, you know, we got a question like, are they going to play for their new coach in this matchup? You think they'd be motivated? Obviously, it's the NCAA tournament. If they are, I'd like I would pick you uh, LSU in this game. I don't think Iowa State's very good. Um, they've kind of they kind of overachieved and really fell apart down the stretch. I mean, there's some games where they couldn't even crack 40 points in the Big 12. So I think LSU is clearly the better team. It's just a, a question of what's their mental state in this game. Um, you know, USC and Miami, uh, who knows? Like, I kind of would lean USC. Just I think Miami is just very, very inconsistent in terms of they're just based on shooting. Uh, if their their shots are falling, they're going to win. If not, they're going to lose. I think USC is better defensively. Um, I do like Larinaga as a coach, but I saw a crazy stat like Andy Enfield is like the against the spread god in the NCAA tournament, uh, both from his time at uh, Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast and then N at USA. Like he he covers like almost every time. So just based on that alone, um, I I think the Pac-12 sometimes gets underrated too, um, in the in the tournament. So. I think I'll go with um, USC in that matchup. Um, and then Wisconsin-Colgate. Colgate's another mid-major team that is really, really interesting. Uh, they dominated their league. Uh, they have tournament experience. I, I believe they almost beat Tennessee last year, if I recall. I think they were like a 15 seed or a 14 seed. There you go. Per the perfect example about Rick Barnes not covering against these, these big spreads. I feel like Colgate really gave them a game. And I can see the same thing here with Wisconsin. They're another team like that the quote the metrics and the analytics really don't like. They they really overachieved all year. And you know, they're gonna play their same kind of style of offense. Um, and you know, I, I could see Colgate shooting enough threes and, and staying within this point spread. Um, and then the top two seeds, I mean, Kansas, Kansas really should win this region easily. Um, I am not a fan of Auburn. Uh, you know, they're another team where um you know, you get them away from home and it's, it's not a pretty sight. And they, they kind of came down from where they were the number one team. They've, they've struggled the rest of the year. I mean, they're clearly talented. They got some really good players, but just, again, to Andy's point, it just seems kind of disjointed sometimes. Um, so I, I don't know if that will get out of this region. Jacksonville state, they got the gift of all gifts with the situation in the Atlantic sun. We talked about it on the show last week of how 
they get bounced in their conference tournament but still make it because Bellarmine, this should be Bellarmine playing Auburn, and instead it's Jacksonville State. So they could take this gift and run with it. So a team with kind of nothing to lose. I mean, I haven't looked at the spread for this game, but if it's like 20, I'd take a chance with Jacksonville State. And they can really shoot from the games that I've seen. So might as well take a chance on an underdog like that. But, yeah, kind of the same theme. I could Kansas probably should roll through this region, honestly. I don't really see – too much of a threat like uh, the, the three four and five seeds are very very shaky and um like i said i'm not a fan of auburn either so this sets up pretty well for kansas i'm looking at the numbers right now uh jacksonville state is a 15 and a half point underdog against auburn not bad not bad i thought it'd be interesting i i'm kind of kind of leaving jacksonville state to be honest yeah, with you. yeah i would too i, mean, I thought it'd be a little more but i i i, I would be with you on that yeah 100 percent um, Andy, let's get your. So this is the last region we'll be covering tonight um, for this first round. Let's get your feelings on the Midwest. I'll show it to you one more time, just so you can get a feel for what the what the matchup is. Yeah, are. yeah, yeah. Like, listen, we we squeezed every ounce of blood out of the Providence Friar Stone, and we've had some great binks, and it's been fun. And Cooley is a like we love Cooley and. And Bynum is a gritty, like, point guard for them. But, you know, they got their doors blown out against Creighton last week. And we had – we lost units on Providence. And, and, and yeah, like, at some point – at some point, like, they're going to – they're just, you know, it's going to be pumpkin time for them. And I'm going to take the Jackrabbits, this Summit League, the most – Challenging part about the Summit League is trying to remember like South Dakota State, South Dakota, North Dakota, North Dakota State, who are the Jackrabbits, who are the Kangs, that's Kansas City, and it's just keeping track of all the teams because they're all similar, not a lot of states, and or, you know, Oral Roberts, but um, I'm going to take the Jackrabbits, fire me up, 30 and 4, undefeated in that conference, they shoot threes. And uh, that's the type of style that's going to be fun to watch. And as John mentioned, everyone and their mothers might be taking South Dakota State, but why not? Can't beat them, join them. And uh, yeah, USC Miami is a toss-up. I love Larinaga, but I don't, you know, when Mobley is like, motivated he's he's not as good as his brother obviously but he's close and drew peterson is a i'd hate you know drew peterson is such a has such a punchable face but he's he's good for usc and um and enfield he he kind of has a smug look to him too but as john mentioned if he's a covering machine like i'll always like andy enfield because i had uh, Florida Gulf Coast beating Georgetown in that 215 game all those years ago. So, uh, yeah, I'll always have a soft spot for Enfield, even though he's had some teams, Dave, as you would know, that would quote unquote underachieve in the regular season. But uh, they've had a good year this year, and uh, I think they'll take care of business against Miami. I think the line is like close. It's like, I don't know if it's either even or maybe maybe Miami giving a point, but give me USC there. And yeah, this is Kansas's bracket to lose. Iowa State, they're completely dead to me. Uh, so sign me up as someone who's going to take LSU with or without Will Wade. 
Um, I'm still, you know, I hold grudges as people will know. And uh, sometimes I bet with my heart over my head and Iowa state losing on senior night to an Oklahoma state team that had nothing to play for is just embarrassing. And that happened. So, uh, so yeah, screw Iowa state, um, you know, 20 and 12, but, uh, where'd those wins come from? They're just, they might be the most like undeserving, like team in the dance and to, to, to get in the, I mean, 11 seed, but yeah, you, you get the drift. Give me LSU on that one. And Iowa. Yeah. I think Iowa is going to blow Richmond's doors. Like Richmond's best player has a man bun, nothing against man buns, but <laughs> like they're just, they're just a plotting team. And what's funny about, there we go. Cowboys heating up. The thing about Iowa and their like wicked high tempo offense, like when Rutgers beat them at the rack center, like that final score was like 48, 46 or something. It was like an out of body experience watching Iowa play like a Iowa in a rock fight against Rutgers. And I think obviously when they played in, in Ames or wherever Iowa's campus is, like it was more like 85, like typical Iowa tempo, but it was weird to see Rutgers like completely take McCaffrey out of his like his style. But Iowa, as as John mentioned, like yeah, they have one of the best scorers in the in the country. I think he's better than Johnny Davis. And to to bring it back to Wisconsin, uh, if Johnny Davis isn't like getting his, then the team is like pretty bad. They got this other guy. This I think his name's like Davison or something. He's he's pretty good too, but he's not nearly the creator as Johnny Davis. So, uh, just when you guys were talking about that Colgate game, a little light bulb went on in my head to take Colgate getting the points. Uh, I think they don't play till Friday, but yeah, I'll be taking Colgate with the points there. And um, with the San Diego State Creighton game, I'll take San Diego State. You know, splitting hairs there. Um, Actually, Dave, I have actually have USC beating Auburn, and I have a Rose Bowl esque matchup: Wisconsin USC in the Sweet Sixteen. That's an interesting call. Gotten, yeah, I could see that. I haven't yeah. gotten like past that, but mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Maybe I'll have USC win in three games. Well, they you know, but that's the thing. They could lose in the first round. Like that's true too. Point spreads <laughs> even. Yeah, no doubt. John, I, I had one quick question for John. Did do you have? Because I remember we kind of had the same feeling last year. I remember, do you have a very strong game that you love, just like you loved I, just like you loved Ohio over Virginia last year? Oh man, it's a good question. Honestly, like <laughs> it's it's probably gonna get me in trouble. But like Chattanooga over Illinois, I, I'm I love that I love that game, and I really like Virginia Tech over Texas. Yeah. Uh, that's those mine. Are, that's mine. Yeah, those are probably my two that I'm. Yeah, those are the two that I'm really liking right now. The public is a big on Chattanooga right now, especially against the spread. The 75 percent of the bets are on them plus seven. So, um, I I feel that too, though. To be honest with you, I feel like there's a real shot for Chattanooga. The that, the Ohio Virginia game was like was very was like considered under the radar and then ohio ended up going to the sweet 16 i believe mm, that's right but that because it wasn't a typical it wasn't vintage bennett last year yeah but i remember seeing that tweet i'm like i i love that one too 
Yep, you did have that. That that's a, it was an interesting moment because like the 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 team that everybody expected to upset someone did, but then like if not, it was that same weekend I think. Abilene Christian was it that had the legit upset of the of the tournament? It was like whoa, where did that well, come Earl from? Roberts too, Dave. They yeah. won, they went to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, they, they beat Ohio State, and then um, I couldn't tell you who they beat in the second round. But um, and then they could have beaten Arkansas. I remember that game yeah. vividly. They, yeah. they had a great chance to beat Arkansas to go to the Elite Eight. That yeah. was a real fun team. See, but their teams like yeah, that, their pace. They just ran out of gas at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they had the uh, the guy um, O'Banner who now plays for Texas Tech. Uh, he transferred there, and then uh, Max Aceness, who he still plays for Earl Roberts. They didn't, obviously they didn't make it this year, but you need yeah. a team like that that can really just just get hot from three. And um, just have a little karma going, and just two like really good uh, guards. And O'Banner is—he's kind of like a, a forward, but he really could shoot too. So they had some unique players. You need a team it's like a that team. that can make a make a run. So I think South Dakota State could be kind of similar to okay. to them, although they're not—they're not a 15 seed. Obviously, they're a 13. But um, you know, yeah, that was that was a fun tournament last year. It had oh, a lot yeah. of upsets, even though even though it ended up being like you know one seed versus one seed. But that's kind of what you want, though. You want the upsets in the first like couple of rounds and then by the end of it you're like all right i'm done with that i'm ready for like some really good matchups here it, it's it there's real chance there's a real potential for this happening again i i love the way these are lining up and i particularly love the way that we can bet these against the spread i mean like fullerton plus 18 oh my god yes like yes i would do that my goodness Dave, so, you gonna sprinkle some money line on that too what's the money line on fullerton great question let's see i can jump on Probably that plus it Oh, it's a thousand, right? <laughs> it's gonna be a lot. I'm pretty sure. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, let's see, uh, plus fifteen hundred. Oh my god! There you go. Put a, put a couple units on it. I mean, why not? <laughs> why I mean, not? What a way to send out Coach K from the Big West. <laughs> what a better way to do it. Exactly. So two units on that. Say your unit was ten dollars. So twenty dollars on that, and then you. <laughs> god. So you could win. What three hundred bucks on that? Yeah, my God, that's crazy. So that's that's wild. Okay, so uh, that's part of that's that covers everything I think. So it'll be really good. Um, I'm pondering going being in the building for that uh, that round in Viejas Arena in San Diego, which will feature Alabama versus whoever wins the uh, Rutgers game, and then I think Arizona's part of that, but that's the other session, which is just going to be too expensive, but. Um, final thoughts. Let's go to Andy first. What 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 do you what are you looking forward to as we we begin this tournament? Just just excitement, you know. I'm last year. I think it was in a you know the bubble that is the state of Indiana and all those like all those gyms. And now we got you know the regionals in Portland, and San Diego, and you know Greenville, just like it is back you know in a pre-COVID environment. Uh, I think. You know, I'll be betting on a lot of underdogs, you know, because it's such a – did someone get teed up? you got to be smart. Um, Yeah, just fill out the bracket. Looking forward to um, just being a couch potato again. And and I scoped out my my newish job. I know, like, um, our – whatever you want to call it, like our, you know, kitchen or break room, whatever, the games will be on there. You know, we have we have an office pool, all this. So 
my coworkers like sport. My HR department, they're not stiffs. Like we're having an office pool, you know? So yeah, it'll be great. Looking forward to watching all these games. I've got to uh, send John a PayPal tonight or tomorrow. I got fill out my bracket. I can't fill it out all the way because I'm a weirdo and I need these playing games to finish. And then I could fill in the brackets accordingly. John, really quickly on that, on your on your contest, is this a bracket contest or is this a spread contest? I, I, nope, okay. it's a normal bracket pool. Okay. Oops, wrong button. Yeah. Where's my button? Yep. Oh, there we go. But, uh, you know, I, I completely agree. Like, I, I'm so OCD like that, with like just like Andy. I can't fill it out until it's completely set. So even though I have the ideas in my mind of who I want to take, not having it until about, I don't know, midnight tomorrow. Maybe even Thursday morning I'll do it. But – yeah, I um, I'm completely in alignment. Uh, I I just started a new job recently, and um, you know, you try to not say like, all right, you know, I like gambling. No, you just say like, all right, like I'm into sports and fantasy sports, and <laughs> you know, we'll see what we'll see what the rest of the company company thinks. But I, you know, I've talked to some people who've had some conversations with me, but I do not know if there's an office pool. However, you know, there's kind of like a, a hidden break room that I can kind of go to that no one really goes to, can kind of maybe watch a little games in there. However, where I'm working is right near Yale's campus. So I'm going to try to see if I can find, like, I don't know, some bar or something. So I think they play Thursday or Friday afternoon at, like, 3 o'clock. That would be perfect to, to find a good spot to watch that game, uh, Yale and um, Yale and Purdue. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And just in general, I mean, yeah. this is, like, the best – one of the best weekends of the year, Thursday through, through Sunday. So you, you can't get enough and, you know, love the – spreading out of the games and the you know the four channels and it just you know i'm old enough young enough whatever you want to call it to remember back when like cbs would have the one game and they'd have to switch in to to the other ones to you have to see highlights and you're just like oh my god like why they take that game off of cbs to not switch the other one um so we're, we're definitely spoiled with how we have it now compared to compared to what it was back in the day for sure um they had, used to have like a you have to pay a pay-per-view to watch the rest of the game. That's I mean, right. I never yeah. it, but, um, that was a you know, what a, archaic times really, when you think about it, yeah. you only get to watch out of the first round, you only get to watch like four games in total. Like, or I'm sorry, you get to watch uh, eight games out of the first round in their entirety, which is just so dumb. So much better now. Oh, much better now. Absolutely. I mean, then you can have your computer, your computer scenarios. You can set up the screens if you're at home or if you're at the bar, you can see them there. It's, it's a great spot. Um, last thing, Andy, how did you do in your golf tournament in Vegas? Uh, golf tournament. So we had, there's four of us. So, uh, I'm the crappiest golfer. I'm a, uh, I'm a 20 handicap. The lowest is a 10. So, uh, every day we had a different partner. Mm -hmm. Um, first day I, uh, me and the, me and the 12 handicap took 50 bucks off the other 20 versus the 10. And then round two, the two high handicaps played together and we got our asses kicked 30 <laughs> mile an hour wins. And then on round three, I, I was paired up with the 10 and we won everything. We won the front, the back, the total and the junk pool for decent money. And so, uh, but we're also in the one and done league. So all that money just kind of went into the one and done pool. So no one could, no one really felt, you know, 
Friday was an expensive round for the losers, but Ooh. the guy that lost a lot, the two guys that lost a lot, oddly enough, they were like the leaders in the one and done league. So it's just funny how it all works out. So, but it was, it was good. And then, you know, the rest of the trip was just kind of normal. Like no one lost their shirt. No one like won a ton to like retire or anything, but it was, it was a good trip. No one got, no one got killed by like the dealers, the blackjack table or the roulette wheel and we actually all pulled in and hit one number so we all won like oh nice 700 each or whatever and then we tried it again and that didn't work but yeah like we got lucky on the roulette wheel um but it, it, it's a it's a great trip i'm already looking forward to to next year I love it a lot. Congratulations on that Ar- win. Stated to Aria, did a lo- most of our gambling was at the Bellagio because that's basically connected via the Vidaro or the tram. It's right there. Uh, next year, I'm, I might. I know John stayed at the Bellagio a, a few times. I might look. Stayed there last year. It's really nice. Yeah, I'm already. I'm already getting emails for deals with the M because it's MGM rewards, and they're already like, "Come back." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Good spot. Yeah, I've stayed at the Bellagio once. It'll be worth it, especially if you can get one facing the fountains. Oh my goodness, do it! Oh, it never works that way, Dave. You always end up seeing the machinery some in some alleyway. <laughs> you, you gotta like know the owner of the casino. Yeah, to that's, get a true. Fountain, that's true. That's true. You need. Listen, my experience. You gotta know someone. Yeah, you gotta know a guy that knows the, a guy. The casino in general is just it's just really nice, and the sports yeah. book is good, so yep. can't can't complain with anything there. But uh, quickly on golf, like. The players' championship, my goodness, I am, you know, it did. It didn't look like it was going to turn out to be like a really good leaderboard, just in terms of the names that were up there. But that was a thrilling final round. Yeah. I would say, like at one point, any one of like ten guys could win it, and um, I was kind of rooting for Keegan Bradley. Kind of bummed that he didn't uh, pull through, but Cam Smith uh, clearly elevating himself even more as one of the best players in the game uh, with the with the players' win. So uh, good job out of him, and just. This is a complete shit show uh, in terms of the weather, and then that that Saturday afternoon round, like literally, they were hitting like six irons under the seventeenth, trying to hit, knock down six irons under the seventeenth green. Mind you, it's like a hundred yard shot because the wind was so bad, and just anyone on that side of the tee time draw was just just done because you couldn't. It was like impossible to play in it, basically. So. Yeah. Didn't they say that Justin Thomas was part of that too? Like he was part of that draw. He was. So he actually was one of the guys that like made it. Yeah, he made the cut. But uh, most of them just got wiped out. Mm, Too bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, Cap Smith. Look, I, I, I was in a FanDuel. I was in the FanDuel for for that for the players. I was like, boom. You know, I was like, I was so happy to see Cam. I had Cam Smith, and it just worked out. But what was remarkable is that for the FanDuel card, I had, I had like five guys made the cut, which is crazy. Usually you get at least two to miss, but uh, and uh, just since we have a moment, like, would you like to comment on the players at all? Well, I didn't see any of it. Oh, it was right, just right. weird because, yeah. like, because I was, you know, you in Vegas for, for problems. Yeah. I was golfing myself. <laughs> like so, like, but yeah, I come. We come in after the round. And yeah. It's like four o'clock Vegas time, and so on Thursday they were showing like the players that were playing on the first round and like it was almost dark. And then I, I don't think they played at all on like Friday and then on or whatever little round they did, I didn't see it. And then on Saturday, uh, I didn't get to see much of it at all. 
but John texted me like the wind is crazy. So I, I'm sure at some point I'll look at the highlights. And then Sunday I was recovering and watching college basketball. And I was so far out of cranky with my one and done. Like I deliberately meant to like pick like scrubs because I knew the weather was going to be bad. I'm like, I don't want to waste Patrick Cantlay. But then I got too lazy and I stuck with Cantlay. And I was like, I have no chance at winning this. So I had the golf on, but the sound was off. So I didn't really pay attention. And then I yesterday was working and I didn't like, I didn't even have the ambition just to watch it work, even though I probably could, but I'm just like, I have no money on it. So mm. like, that's, you know what, that's a great strategy for next year for this tournament. It's such a crapshoot. Even if the weather was good, it's like big names just completely falter here every year. And I took Morikawa like an idiot and he missed the cut. So I just wasted him for the entire year on the one and done. I should have taken like, Seriously, I would have taken like Keegan Bradley, and he would he would have come in second place, or maybe someone like one step you know below Morikawa, like one of the mid-level guys. But just so yeah. stupid because now I, I you know Morikawa is gonna I think Morikawa is gonna win this week. Like I should have saved him for this week, and I don't know. Just I think next year I'll, I'll just take some rando at the players because I'm not gonna hit it anyway. But I digress. It's just annoying sometimes. For but, sure. Yeah, I hear you on that, fellas. Thank you again for for all your your your. Uh... For all your help tonight and all the all the cool all the good analysis, good luck to your brackets this this coming uh, tournament. It should be really fun. Come on, let's we can try another one next week too. We'll see how everything's going. We'll see how your brackets going. See how the bets are going. Uh, this has been a really a lot of fun. So uh, I am getting late breaking news that Baker Mayfield is leaving the Browns. I don't know if that was already announced before we went on air, but I think it's official right now because he just tweeted something about it. So that's official. We'll see. But, uh, folks, have a good one, and enjoy the tournament, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again next week, yeah? Sounds good. Cool. Sounds good, Dave. See ya. Yeah, take care, everybody. Good Good to see you. All the best, Andy and John. Good luck. And uh, so that's it for this this week. Boy, what just a phenomenal show. We set you up perfectly for the NCAA tournament, and it – the first four is underway now. We'll we'll see what happens with the – with these matchups the rest of the way. And then – Thursday, the the actual the official first round begins, and that just leads on to a whole lot of chaos for the next three weeks. So with that, I say good night. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for for tuning in. If you missed any part of the show, you can re- you can go back and check out our replay on YouTube. We're also on Twitter at Ditcal, and uh, if you've not subscribed to the show already on our podcast feed. Do so now. You can go to dickcow.com and subscribe there, or look for us at Apple Podcasts. Look for Dickcow Football, and we'll we'll got we got you covered one way or the other. My name's Dave Medina. It's nice to see you tonight. Have a good rest of your evening. Enjoy the rest of the week as well. Enjoy this tournament. It's going to be really fun. And um, until then, best of wishes to all of you. Hope you're hanging in there as the spring comes into bloom. Start. It's coming soon for us, and we'll see you next time.